Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection. Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and I'm sitting here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hello. Hi. You yeah, said my right. name first. Oh, wait. Is that on purpose? <laughs> yeah. I pointed to you beforehand, Matt, just to make you feel less bad. Oh, I really, I didn't even notice. Oh, I did. I forgot that I was caring about this. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? I never stopped caring. It was meant to be six, has that been six months? Yeah, give or take four or five months. <laughs> and, um... Come with your dog me, Monkey. I'm number one. Yeah, number one. You and me, we started this podcast. Yeah, you're the headline act. And then act. we brought her in. That's right. But hear me out. You're the headline act. We get to you later. Right, okay. Right? Yes, I get it. You're the MC. Jess yeah. the support. Oh, now I have a name. <laughs> okay. She's the support. <laughs> it. Thank you. It over okay. there. That. That. <laughs> that thing. Ugh. Just refer to me as. <laughs> Yuck. Hey, it's great to be here in the podcast studio, but we are taking our show on the road around Australia over the next couple of months, oh, and yes. including a very special show at the Zoo in Brisbane this Sunday afternoon. We'll be there. August 11th, we'll be there. <sighs> I'm so excited. Got a it's... few tickets left. Yes, and it's going to be our 200th 
episode. That's uh, right. Extravaganza. Yes. That's right. So it's uh, two shows for the price of one. We're going to do a podcast first up, have a little break, and then do our patented Good Time interactive quiz show. I can't stress this enough, though. There are not that many tickets left. So if you want to come along, you should absolutely jump on those tickets ASAP. It's already by far going to be our biggest show in Brisbane. Oh, for sure. Which yeah. is very nice. So yeah. cool. So we appreciate the people who have bought tickets. Uh, we're also coming to Sydney next month, Saturday, September 21st. Big Saturday night show at our favourite venue up there, the Giant Dwarf Theatre. Another double show. And uh, then Perth. First ever time you're on our radar, Sunday, November the 3rd at the Comedy Lounge. It's going to be awesome. I think Perth's going to start months in advance. Yeah, I think it will actually, which is so nice. <laughs> so Imagine cool. Knowing months in advance it's going to be a sold-out show. Please let that happen. That yeah. feels good. Because that would be really nice. No, I like finding out on the day. <laughs> okay. I like going, How have we got any tickets left? And they go, no, you sold out. And I go, oh, that's nice. Yeah, I like okay. that. All right, well, I won't let so you know. So you can, yeah, you can find out, but, but don't I, tell me. But I check the tickets every five minutes, so <laughs> that'd be great. And I, but I won't if it's sold out. Put me no out need. of my misery. No need. And if uh, tickets for all of these shows, we'd love to see you guys live and in person and uh, have a chat to us after the show at uh, dogoonpod.com. That's right. There's a little link there to take you to all the, the tickets there. Snap them up. But also while we're in Brisbane, Matt and I are sticking around. Dave's pissing off back to Melbourne like an idiot. For his work. He's oh, like, oh, I'm going to go back to where it's really cold. Yeah, I'm oh. coming back for the weather, guys. Yeah, but the Matt and I. Guys. Yeah, great band. <laughs> Matt and I thought, hey. Let's hang around, do some comedy. And that's what we're going to be doing. Yeah. We're doing a split show called Razzle Dazzle at Hayer Bar on the 12th, 13th and 15th. Is that right, Matt? That's right. And yes. it's actually the world premiere of this show. So yeah. pretty big deal. That is it's, huge. Um, Brisbane is pretty big deal. Yeah. So you um, should come along. We're so close to Hollywood on the Gold Coast that yeah. this is where Razzle Dazzle lives. Um, day trip on our day off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, theme park? <gasps> oh, maybe a super pass. Oh, yeah, well, you can go to three and one. If I was going to go to any, I'd go to Dreamworld though, and that's not in the Super Pass. No, but it's got its own Super Pass with White Water World. Or oh something. yeah, okay. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Doesn't that's not matter. What we're here to you talk don't need about. to know about you our day plans. Yeah, Dave, you you won't be there anyway. You don't care. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but you'll be tagging me in the photos just to make me feel left out. Of oh, course. Yeah, I'll be partying here in the beautiful cold weather, so mm. who's the real winner? You'll enjoy your own white water world, which is Melbourne in winter. Yes. <laughs> Sucked in. Sucked in, dickhead. Nah, good on good yeah, on you good and on good you. on Melbourne. Yeah. But yeah, come to Razzle Dazzle. All right. Okay. Yeah, you now, can find tickets there, Dave. Please don't cut me off. Uh, sorry, can I just take it's uh, matchstewartcomedy.com slash gigs. Excuse That's me, right. Excuse me. It can also be found at jessperkins.com.au slash shows. Oh, yeah. Jess has got a new website. You should go look at it. You should. It looks nice, I think. She made it herself. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That has gotten you, good. You'll think it's professional. Oh, and one other plug. Very quickly, Jess set up a real sick online merch store for mm. Dugawan. It's the first time we're selling um, physical merch, which we send out from here at our headquarters mm. to you in your home... Home quarters. Yeah, your, quarters. Your, <laughs> yes. your home quarters. Yeah. Your living quarters. That's right. We've got our T-shirts up for sale, a couple of different designs, a few different colours, which is very, very nice. That's and right. And Jess has been working very hard to post those out herself, write a little letter, a little note to everyone who buys a shirt. So Yeah, and I'm cute as shit. We're going to get more stuff going if you yep. have suggestions. We're thinking magnets, maybe beer holders, maybe... Tote bags. Hats. Mm. Maybe capes. Maybe fedoras. Ooh. Oh. No, that was a joke, Jess. Oh, yeah, I know. Ha, 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 ha. We will not be doing fedoras. Yeah, no, that's silly. No, we'll do them ironically. Oh, yeah. Ironic fedoras. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> 
Anyway, Dave, how does this show work that we're doing? Uh, the way this show often works is, and stop me if you've heard this one before, uh, we take it in turns to report on a topic suggested... Stop. I knew you would do that. Uh, suggested by AI. I shouldn't have, shouldn't have tempted Why would you say it? Why would you give me that option? Well, just in case someone out there hasn't heard this one before. Suggested by a listener, often mm. is the way, and it's Matt's, Matt Stewart Comedy's turn to report <laughs> on a topic that Jess and I, we don't know what you're going to talk about. I never know what you're going to say. You <laughs> are, of the three of us, you're the most unpredictable. Yeah. I, I don't think he often knows what he's going to say. Sometimes he says something and I'm like, where did that come from? I'm a loose unit. You are. Dave's a very tight unit. He's tight. He's got a so tight, t- tiny tooth. Yeah, try and get in that chuff. You can't. <laughs> and I got a loose bagoose. <laughs> yeah. And I'm somewhere in between. I'm yeah. just Regular. right. <laughs> Regular. What do you call the back? We're like the three, the three, the Goldilocks and the three bears. Caboose is what I meant. Caboose. Not bagoose. Anyway, took me too long to figure that out. Mm. What a riddle. <laughs> and that's not even the question. The question is. Which American bomber's reign of terror began with a university bombing in 1978? Oh. There's only one bomber that I know of. Oh, yes. James Heard? Yeah, I was going to make a spin on that, uh, but yours is better because you named an actual player. Um, <laughs> couldn't think of one. Could not think of an Essendon bomber. Jess, you know this one? I, I think so, but I never want to say it because I'm... Say it, because remember someone... Unabomber! Yes. Damn it! Yes, Damn that it! Is correct. Yeah. But Sorry. what if I was really wrong? You know, I can't handle that. Yeah, yeah. we're all like, Unabomber? What are you talking <laughs> about? You're like, that's a chain of sushi restaurants. <laughs> yeah, What's wrong with you? And that's I'm like, offensive. Yeah, exactly. What if I said something offensive? I am an idiot. So this topic, and you're not an idiot, Jess. Too late. You have a beautiful mind. <laughs> I'm good at maths. <laughs> But only in secret. <laughs> <laughs> Who does secret maths? <laughs> uh, genii do. Yeah, Thank you. Oh. It's the plural of genius. Oh, genii. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you two know much about it? I I'm, know nothing. That's great. I didn't either. I could not have told you it started in a university. Absolutely not. But it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it does Uni when you think about it. bomber. You know? Yes, and I will talk about how it got, uh, got its moniker at some point. Oh, no, I've said too much. Monica Geller, <laughs> <laughs> the key suspect. <laughs> uh, this was suggested by Graham Earl Javin Santos. <laughs> Holy moly. I just cut and paste that without reading it. Javin are you, Santos. Are you mispronouncing Gavin? Oh. It's a soft G. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nicola from Ballarat, Scott from Michigan. Both of those didn't give surnames, so I said where they're from. Maybe they were trying to avoid... Being identified. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> Ronan Williams, Adam Wheeler, and Yusuf, aka me, who we met in Scotland. That's yes. right. And who suggested many, many great topics. That's a lot of people suggesting it too. Yes. Well, that's how I went through because I put this up to the vote on Patreon at mm. patreon.com slash to go on pod. And I picked out three topics that had been suggested at least half a dozen times. The Unibomber just put its head out right at the end. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to tell the story. Um, I was trying to figure out how to tell the story. I'm going to tell it as, you know, the public would have found out about it. Yeah, cool. Okay, okay. potentially stupid question. Okay. Is it Unibomber or Unabomber? It's Unabomber, but I'll explain that soon. Oh, okay, sorry. Yes, cool, cool. Because it just said, it makes sense, university. And I'm like, oh. I, and you just said uni, and I thought, maybe I'm an idiot and I've misread I, but, it. But I think I always thought it was Unibomber, but it is Unabomber. Right. Um, I'm hearing the same thing. <laughs> you guys are... You're taking are you, are you, are you hearing the word bomber? 
That sounds so similar. Both, uh, both of you to me. You know the teacher in uh, Peanuts? <laughs> it's just like Charlie Brown is like... Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's both of you. Gotcha. I mean... Is the dog the teacher? Yeah. Yeah. Rex. That's why it's making that. Rex. Rex. Wah, <laughs> Bob. Uh, so, on May the 25th, 1978, a package was found in a parking lot of the University of Illinois in Chicago. It was a pretty normal... The Windy City. Ah, yes. Second oh. City, Windy City. Correct. Chicago. Yeah. Chicago. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that's... I think you're on two points, Jess. Well done. Uh, it, was, it was a pretty normal-looking brown paper-wrapped package. On the front, it had 10 commemorative Eugene O'Neill stamps. It was a playwright. Oh, one of the best playwrights of the last century. Well, there you go. Um, why have I never heard of him? Long Day's, Long Day's Journey Into Night. One of the best plays I've ever read. God, you're a nerd. Well, I, I think you won the nah, uh, on, yeah. Pulitzer Prize three times. I still don't know if it's if it's clear if that was important or not, but um, oh. it was mentioned at a few places. So I'd be interested, uh-huh. seeing as you know a bit about him, I'd, I'd love to hear if you think uh, it was a purposeful thing or if they're just the stamps that they had on hand. <laughs> uh, on the back, a return address of Buckley Christ at the nearby Northwestern University in Everston, Illinois. Uh, the package obviously was picked up, was found, and it was returned to Christ because they're like, well, it's obviously Christ's sent this it's i don't know why it's here we'll get it back to him oh so it's just randomly in the parking lot yeah but chris a professor of engineering at the college had never seen the package before he found it suspicious so he turned it over to the college police and in a 2016 podcast interview with local newspaper the daily northwestern he said his suspicion was that it was drugs so to preserve any evidence he opened the packages wrapping carefully which revealed a wooden box that had a little door on it, and the little door, as he kept saying on the podcast, had O-P-E-N, handwritten on it. He kept spelling that <laughs> open for some reason. He's like, I, don't, I just didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what it meant. I don't know what it stands for. O-P-E-N. He's a college professor. Yeah. No, I, I don't know why. He's, he, he was just being... It was just <laughs> open. A bit of a... Open. Is that two words? <laughs> open. Op- open. Is this, is this a oh, Ope. <laughs> it sounds like was he disappointed it wasn't drugs? He opened it very carefully it's, it to maintain funny. the structure of the drugs. It's like a like a kid at a uh, like, getting a birthday on, present drugs. open. Oh my god! I'm gonna keep the paper. Please be good time. drugs. Uh, but but he as he explained it, seeing uh, the box with open written on it made him feel even more suspicious. Saying, "I had a chemistry background and had worked with hazardous materials." And they were sometimes shipped in similar kinds of boxes, but never with a stupid little door and hand penciled O P E N. I didn't know what I meant. I looked it up in the periodic table. There was no element <laughs> called O P E N. And I said, "I'm done." He handed it. A question to you guys: Would you have opened it? No. The door? Uh, I probably would have. Knowing lost what my I hands. know now, yeah, probably yeah. not. But probably then, yeah, I, I would have been. I've been curious. You wouldn't think. Yeah. Now, definitely not. I 1978, a more naive time. Yeah. It's a different time. Yeah, but bombs existed. Oh, yeah. And violence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But apparently the word open did. <laughs> yeah, that notoriously, Dave, uh, was a word invented in 1980. <laughs> well, of course. It was the buzzword of the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Matt, do you remember when open was invented? Uh, it, it changed everything. <laughs> changed doors, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> I remember um, first being able to go into the library. <laughs> 
we'd been wondering for ages, what's what's in there? Lots of books. <laughs> was it just we the can't word? Can't be sure. <laughs> just the word close, and afterwards it just said not. Yeah, not close. Not cl- okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, that could be anything. <laughs> Anyhow, so he handed it into the college police, assuming they would then hand it on to the real police, as he phrased it. Brutal. Oh, Brutal come on, college police. Come on, mate. Uh, That's but, so rude. They're just like um, they're just like uh, ticket inspectors. Like they think they're the real deal. Yeah, I was like, "Fuck off, ticket inspector." <laughs> I figured, like, if that was the case, <laughs> then why not just call the real police? Yeah, why why involve a middleman or woman? Mm. Well, it's a unisex sandwich. I think it's a man though. Uh, the, the unisex bomber. <laughs> the college police person, uh, Officer Terry Marker, with or, a wire and eye. A Y. That's a man. Okay. That's man Terry. Officer Terry Marker arrived um, and he was keen to open the package himself for some reason. <laughs> Chris still thought it... He was disappointed that the fun bit of unwrapping the, the packaging was done. Oh, oh, come on. Oh, but you haven't opened the door. All right. <laughs> but he came and he said, O-P-E-N, that means open. That's a word I've just come up with. I'm not going to release it to the public till 1980. Uh, so he, he was keen to open it up. Um, Chris still thought it was drugs, but he warned Marker to open the door away from his face just in case. And lucky he did because the box exploded as he opened it, injuring Marker's left hand. The small fire... The best hand, some would argue. That's true. Myself Mm. included. I'd argue it's the second best hand. Yeah, I'd say top five for sure. (laughs) Wow. Pretty good. The small fire the explosion created was stomped out and the shrapnel was collected up and put in the bin. It was seen as being... A weird occurrence, but as it was the first of the bombs, no one thought of it being a part of anything bigger. The first of. There's going to be more bombs. Oh, you are good. Thank you. You are very good. Thank you. I'm also pretty and nice. There's only going to be at least one more door to As opposed to the Uno bomber, which was just the solo. Oh, that is good stuff. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it wasn't. The Due bomber. (laughs) He has to change his name every time he sets off a new bomb. He's like, what am I up to? <laughs> 23 bomber. Fuck it. No, honestly. Bit of a mouthful. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it wasn't really talked about on uh, campus all that much and didn't seem to, on, on that podcast I listened to, it was hosted by two of the journalists of that paper currently. And they're like, we went back through the archives and it, we couldn't find any real mention of it at the time. That's so it just, crazy. It Did was a police, bomb, but it didn't really make much Police news. officer hurt his hand badly? or I think, I think badly, but not... I th- I think recoverable. Yeah, right. If you know what I mean. But just the fact that there, like, he was there was a bomb, and they just went, "Huh, it's weird." Best just anyway, throw it chug out. Chug it in the bin. That's crazy. Yeah, it does seem weird. You should let someone know. I reckon. And like a pretty brutal bomb too. Yeah. That it asks you to open it. But, I mean, there must have been a police report and those sort of things, right? So. But no media coverage. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Um, nearly a year went by without further incident. Uh, until May 9th, 1979, when John Harris, a graduate student at Northwestern University, which is the same mm. university as Buckley Christ, uh, found a cigar box left at the university's technological institute. It was unmarked. It was just a box sitting there, right? Harris opened the box and it instantly exploded. Luckily, Harris only suffered minor cuts and burns. Authorities recognised some fundamental similarities between this bomb and the one from a year prior, noting its similar construction, although its design was more sophisticated. Um, though I'm not sure if, if this was realised at the time or in hindsight. A lot of this stuff, because as it 
the whole case grows. case grows, obviously more people are interested in it. Mm. And at this stage, it's still, you know, small time. But the first one was like it had that return address to Chris. Chris? Yeah. So obviously it was intended for him. Well, you would think it would be intended for him unless somebody opened it in the parking lot. But this one is just left lying around. Yeah. So it's just random. Yes. Again, though, left out of university. Yes. Yeah. At a, this, the same university. Weird. Uh. So that's bomb two. Bomb three. A few months later. The tray bomber. (laughs) Good things come in threes. I reckon this is going to be something nice. Do you reckon that applies to this podcast? Yeah. Oh, I think so. Every third pod is good. (laughs) Yeah. Last week was really fun, so this one sucks. Uh, (laughs) Every third one's good. Does that mean it's always you, Jess? No, I was going more for you, but thank you. I'll tell you that. Thank you. Matt Matt obviously sucks. (laughs) This is going to be... That's no, probably that. the weakest. Yeah. But I uh, think you and I can argue politely over which of us is Oof, the best. What a way to, what a way to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, nice. you're, doing, you're doing great. So I'm far. wearing headphones. I can hear every word you're saying. This is yeah. so interesting. I'll be hearing this again as I edit it. <laughs> yeah, you will. Hi, Matt Hi, in the future. future <laughs> Give him a kiss, Dave. <laughs> Bad news go. comes in twos in this case. Good news comes in threes. I reckon this be an explosion of love. Yeah, is it a love explosion? Love also known bomb. as a cum. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm not actually. That's funny. A few months later, on November the fifteenth, nineteen seventy nine, on an American Airlines flight four 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 from Chicago to Washington DC, a bomb in a mailbag in the cargo hold failed to explode, as apparently intended, but instead caught fire. The flight had an emergency landing, and twelve people were treated for smoke inhalation. On a mm. plane? Yeah. Jeez. Was it a university plane? <laughs> no, it was not. Interesting. Are there any universities that have their own plane? <laughs> I bet you those Simpsons? dorks at Yale. <laughs> Harvard could use. <laughs> no, that Yale could use an international airport. <laughs> That's <laughs> Larry Burns, uh, his scores are so bad that Mr. Burns, to get him in, would have to donate an international airport to Yale. <laughs> Yale could use an international airport, Mr. Burns. <laughs> <laughs> Larry Burns. Uh, so, put her back in. She ain't done yet. <laughs> That's good stuff. I think. I think this might be the one where there was uh, in the bomb. There was a um, a mechanism that meant that it would go off when it reached a certain altitude. Wow. So, That's really. So they were becoming right? more and more advanced each time. Really sophisticated. And the design of the boxes is getting better. So yeah. someone's taking a woodworking class. Love yeah, that. they're starting to be in different shapes. Yeah, now they're kind of engraved. Yeah. <laughs> it's really beautiful. Can I start out? I could only do boxes at the start. Mm. Now I do spheres. <laughs> Perfect spheres. <laughs> Bomb four. I, w- I don't know if I need to keep counting them. But anyway. No, I do. On June the 10th, 1980, United Airlines President Percy A. Wood received a package in the mail to his Lake Forest, Illinois home. The package came with a note asking Wood to read the book inside the package saying, you will find it of great social significance. Opening the book, it explodes. The <gasps> book? Yeah. So there was a book inside. He hollowed out the book. Put a bomb in put there. Put a bomb in it. He. Uh, women can buy bombers too. <laughs> so he hollowed what? out the book. That's Dave, a... how do you feel about that as a book lover? Well, I mean, I actually do love when people hollow out books and hide stuff in them. I think that's really cool. Like yeah. a gun. Yeah, gun book. Uh, but what happened to Percy? I was just going to hide another book in there. The explosion gave wood cuts and bruises. I think so. There must be 
I don't, you know, obviously it's still terrifying, but not the biggest explosions if they're not blowing people's fingers off yep. or whatever. Yeah, I mean, um, and maybe it it blew up his love of reading. You know, God, imagine God, that being be afraid scared. to open you'd a book. Scared. Yeah, you'd make your kids open it for you just to check. <laughs> Just to check, yeah. you know, kind of like how they they used to like the royals used to make somebody test their food. Yeah, you Stevie, know? can you come in here? Yeah, yes, open daddy. This. Open this up, away from me. <laughs> Point it at your face. Oh, good boy. Give daddy the book. Um, the initials can't F- wait to have kids. Yeah, the initials FC were later found etched in a part of the pipe bomb. Uh. And like the first bomb, this one also had Eugene O'Neill stamps making authorities oh. wonder if it was a deliberate choice. Something noteworthy about O'Neill is apparently is that uh, the playwright was an ardent supporter of anarchists. Oh, there you go. Uh, I think it's, I still don't know if that is important or not. Just but in general. Yeah. Just like, I love anarchists. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love it. Okay. Love them. Love what they're up to. I love a bit of anarchy and I love people who start it. Oh, yeah, big time. Big, big time. Oh. I'm not entirely sure I know what an anarchist is, but I'm confused. Continue. <laughs> in 1979 or 1980, different sources so, of different things. Can I just quickly say uh, the media now is starting to put them all together and say there is a bomber doing this. Well, that, that's yeah, that's what I'm sort of about to talk about Sorry. now. <laughs> Shut uh, the fuck up, Dave. Not the media, though. The FBI... Uh, in either in 79 or 80 noted the similarities between these initial four bombs and opened an investigation into them as one case which they dubbed Unibomb. The UN for universities, the A for airlines, and the bomb for bomb. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's where Unibomb comes from. Yeah. I definitely thought it was Unibomber. Right. But Unabomber. I thought it was Unibomber too. And I think I did always think it just meant somehow it was one bombing like that was I said Uno bomb before, but I think I thought it was Unibomb. I thought it was something about one bomb or something. But, right. But I just knew obviously knew nothing about it apart from the word. The task force also included members of the ATF, which is the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, which I think we talked about a bit in the Waco siege episode. Yeah, that's right. And the U.S. Postal Inspection Service. Oh who yeah, were the, they were the, the bad boys. Yeah, the guys get the front line. <laughs> they wearing, walk like, in with their thick glasses. Yeah, I think there's a plot similar to that in Brooklyn Nine Nine. At one stage, they have to go to like the postal investigation people, and it's it's what's his name? Ed Helm. Ed Helms. Yep. He's just like being like the total bad boy of <laughs> of post, <laughs> and they're just like, okay, I love it's that. It's great. They were apparently the U.S. Postal Inspection Service were the first to ins- uh, to investigate the initial bombings because they were particularly oh, post related. Yeah. And they were like, hmm, Eugene O'Neill, interesting choice. Hmm, <laughs> 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 a classic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bomb five. To this point, all of the bombs had been linked to Illinois, but the Unabomber was about to go national. Whoa, huge. On the 8th of October 1981, a maintenance worker at the University of Utah found a bomb in a classroom. Utah! (laughs) Give me two! (laughs) But the bomb squad was called in and the device was diffused without injury. Oh, something that probably should have been done from the first bomb. So he obviously realised this is a bomb. Yeah, the maintenance worker is the first one who's realised. Don't open it. Don't Don't open open this. This is sus. Um, so I'm not sure if that was, it was just a more obviously sus thing, but 
Um, the FBI's Unibomb squad conducted exhaustive forensic examinations of the bomb components from all previous incidents, trying to recover clues uh, to who the bomber might be, but they came up with very little. Mm. Whoever the culprit was, they took great care as to not leave anything they could identify them, no fingerprints or DNA, and they made their explosives from commonly found materials like match heads, wood, nails, and fishing wire. Right. I think I think it was um, in the early days, maybe with the Postal Service uh, investigators, they they dubbed him the junkyard bomber because because oh. all the the bombs were just put together with you know bits and pieces. Right. And are they similar bombs? Do you the, think? Or are they in, like being inventive with things? I think they're they're di- they're different, but apparently undeniably all right. made by the same people. Right. Like apparently people. the experts see them and they go, it's clear that these are all connected. Oh, yeah, that's Picasso. I know it. Uh, yeah, you know his work. Yeah. The attacks continued. I, I'm going to stop numbering them now. Oh, six. Okay, you see if you can keep up. I reckon I can. The attacks continued. On May the 5th, 1982, a package was delivered to Patrick Fisher head of the computer science department at Vanderbilt University in Tennessee. It didn't make it to him, though, as it exploded in the hands of his secretary, <gasps> Janet Smith, who copped shrapnel wounds to her body and burns to her hands. Oh, no. So Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing. It's sending bombs around. There's no guarantee it's going to get to the person you address yeah. it to. Hmm, it's a victimless crime. But also, as a secretary, I imagine a large part of your job, or at least certainly a part of it, would be handling mail. Yeah. Now she can't do her job. Uh, on July 2... 1982, this will be bomb. Seven. I mean, this is four years. <laughs> I like it that he gives me a very obvious look as if, like, <laughs> there's another one here, Jess. July 2, 1982 at the University of California, engineering professor, I don't know how to pronounce this name. I'm going to say Diogenes Angelikos also suffered severe burns and shrapnel wounds after picking up what he believed to be a turpentine, turpentine can that he found left in the common room in the computer science building during construction work. There was construction going on. He's like, oh, this shouldn't be here. I'll move it to where it should be. Whoa. Bang. Whoa. Just like a turpentine can. Yes. And these ones also, I don't really talk about that in the report, but obviously these ones have to be hand-delivered. No one's mailing a turpentine can. Yeah. So where's the CCTV? Yeah. I mean, these are things <clears throat> that you wouldn't uh, just wouldn't be able to do mm. anymore. Imagine, I'm guessing there's just no CCTV back then. Mm. Who knows? It was so long ago, the records have been lost. Yeah. God, imagine if you were alive back then. I can't. I don't think people were. No, surely. These are cavemen we're talking about. On May 15th, 1985, again at the University of California, grad student John Horser picked up what he thought was a file box for another student's computer cards. But it was actually bomb number eight. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> really? So that's, he's gone silent for three years there. Yeah, so he, he, there are breaks. There are there are sort of, he jumps in and out a little bit. Each time he'd be hoping. Or she. Hoping they died or something. Yeah. Or, or gone to jail or whatever. Yeah, he'd be wondering what, yeah, what's happened. It stopped. But also then people would kind of forget about it and not be worried about things. Mm, like when last year people were putting needles in strawberries. Yeah. And for about three months I was like, I couldn't put a strawberry in my mouth yeah. in Australia here. I'd have to chop it up because I'd freak out otherwise. And the other day I was just eating one and it popped into my mind yeah. and I was like, huh. Yeah, you just forget about you it. Just, so yeah, you just in, go in back to normal life. Those years people forget so they're not as on 
high alert and then it's easier to attack them. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it's a huge country. Yeah. I, I Turpentine get, sales crashed. Yeah, you like daily. You don't, and never before has it happened with a turpentine can. So yeah. you wouldn't. You of course, just wouldn't, you wouldn't. I mean, wouldn't even it, think about how do you live like that if you're looking at every object? Like, oh, is that a is bomb? Is that the bomber's plan to make people scared of everything? <laughs> Dave, every time I look at you, I go, "Now that's the bomb." Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just every now and then I just like to build him up a little bit. Yeah, like, I need yeah, that's good. We I really shit all over him a lot. It. And so every now and then you just got to pick him back up again. Every now and then you got to just tell me I'm the bomb. <laughs> hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching! <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> and edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So John Hauser picked up what he thought was a file box for another student's computer cards and it had been sitting there for days. So he picked it up thinking, oh, I'll figure out who the owner is so I can return it to them. Opened it, detonating the bomb. Wow. And quite injured, you said. Yes. Um, the vic victim of the previous bombing from three years prior, the same university professor, Diogenes mm. Angelikos, heard the explosion and rushed uh, to offer assistance. No way. Unfortunately, the explosion meant Hassel lost much of the use of his right arm and abandoned, and many had to abandon his dream of, uh, dreams of becoming a pilot or astronaut. What? Again, the bomb had the initials FC etched into it. That seems like the uh, the worst injury so far. So far, yeah. I think they, they are becoming more serious. The one, I think um, Angelikos's one was pretty heartbreaking as well. He, I think he was the one who's who was caring for his sick wife. Oh. And she ended up. So she ended up dying soon after. Oh no! So he, and he ended up. He was still in a sling at her funeral. So he was the one caring for her, but it meant that, you know, that his last time with her was 
um, affected by yeah. his injury. So, oh, just that's awful. Yes. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so, sort of apologize for running through these like a list, but there are quite a few, and I just sort of wanted to mention them all. Yeah. Um, but it could go into any of these as a much longer story, obviously. Of course. June thirteenth, nineteen eighty five, the Boeing company in Washington found a bomb, uh, but it had it diffused without injury. That's Ag- number nine. Again, uh, this one had FC etched into it. Look at that stamp. FC. Mm. Which I'll stop mentioning because they, they all have FC men. Frederick Cumberbatch. Oh, that's oh. a good name. Strong Is it name. Frederick Cumberbatch? Well, Am I close? Yep. That's the end of the show. Hooray! We got it. I win. <laughs> yeah. This is interesting. Yeah, the ones, <coughs> the two that have been diffused, they were just, they were found and obviously look sus enough. And I mean, airplane companies and universities would be on high alert as well. Yeah. Especially. I mean, they're in the name. Una. <laughs> I wonder why university got two letters and airplanes only got the one. Could have been Una. Yeah. Unair. Unair bomber. Then airplanes get three. University airplane bomber. There it is. There it is. That's catchy. <laughs> That's the magic. I reckon they definitely had a meeting about this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, November fifteenth, nineteen eighty-five. So eighty-five was uh, a big year. One, two. This is the third one from eighty-five. November fifteenth, nineteen eighty-five. A suspicious package is delivered to University of Michigan psychology professor James B. McConnell at his home. Apparently he's a he's sort of like a wealthy, slightly um, what do you call it when wealthy people are a bit different? Eccentric. Eccentric, slightly eccentric, wealthy fellow. Yeah, if you're poor and eccentric, you're deranged. You're a weirdo. Yeah, but wealthy and uh, a bit odd, eccentric. Um, That's the, my dream, eccentric billionaire for me. Thanks. Oh, I'll man. accept multi-millionaire if need be. Really? Multi- I don't know if you get eccentric for just multi-millionaire. <sighs> God, it's hard. I think it's got to be multi-multi. Do you reckon? Yeah. So multi that it's billion? Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, this package comes with a letter which includes the line, I'd like you to read this book. Everyone in your position should read this book. McConnell asks his research assistant, Nicholas Suno, to open it. Oh, my God. He does my trick. Which he does. And when it explodes, Suno suffers burns and shrapnel wounds. Oh, my God. Why would you say, open this book for me? I don't. I, I'm not sure. I guess it was his assistant. Maybe, maybe the like, assistant read the letter out and said, "Oh, everyone says you should you should read this book. Open it. Oh, what is it? Or whatever. You yeah. Know, or maybe yeah. I don't know if he said open this one thing, or he said, "Do you mind opening my mail?" I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but basically, it wasn't like him that. I don't think. It. I don't think the insinuation is him going. That looks sus. I'll you get my research assistant it. to open it. Um, as the attacks continued, the bombs continued to become more advanced and damaging. So all these explosions, they're getting more bigger wounds. More bigger is not what I meant. I changed between more and bigger. They're getting larger wounds. Yes. Stop looking at me like that. <laughs> I'm, I can talk. You're doing the report. I, I'm looking at you because I'm listening. Anyway, <laughs> they got more advanced and more damaging. And more, more, more bigger badder. wound. Yeah, more bigger wounds. Um, but till this point, no one had lost their life. To this oh, point. But all good until things, this point. No, no, don't say it. All good things come to an end. Oh, my God. As Dave says, which I still can't get my head around. But anyway. <laughs> I mean, it softens the blow. I'm ready now. On December the 11th, 1985, computers... And it's a bomb number 11. Wow. Oh, do you reckon that was on purpose? Maybe. 
On December the 11th, 1985, computer store owner Hugh C. Scrutton notices a piece of wood in the parking lot behind his shop. Having seen it as a road, road hazard, he goes to move it, but unfortunately, there was another Unabomber bomb. A piece of wood? The explosion kills Scrutton almost instantly. What? So there's a big, obviously, yeah. Just, it, But it just looks like a piece of wood. Yes. So all of them, all of them have either come in wood boxes. Some of them look like woods, the os- uh, cigar box. Yep. Um, but they know, I, I mean, they know it's a Unabomber, but it, I'm, yeah. wow. Okay. I'm just thinking it, like it must have really blown up, been a big explosion. Yeah. Maybe not much of it left, yet they still know that it's the same. Yeah. Well, I guess they're still shrapnel. They're picking shrapnel out of the body. Far and, out. Um, and they're finding FC written on a part of it. Not that I, I don't know if that's publicly known. So at this stage, but but apparently you just it's unmistakable. These are all made right. by the same. Uh, a little over a year later, on February twentieth, nineteen eighty seven, the same scenario plays out again, almost exactly in another computer store car park. This time in Salt Lake City, the owner Gary Wright goes to move what he believes to be a road hazard, another chunk of wood, but again, it's a bomb. This time, Wright escapes with his life, though he does suffer severe nerve damage to his arm. Whoa. This bombing led to the first major break in the case, uh, as a witness reported seeing a man in the car park moments before the explosion. (gasps) Based on her description, the now famous sketch of the suspected Unabomber was drawn up. A mustachioed man wearing aviator sunglasses and a hooded jumper. Oh, he sounds like he works for the postal service. Aviators. He's a bad boy. He's a bad boy. Wanna, Do you reckon then he's been, <clears throat> he's been like. That's the sketch. Does that ring a bell to you? This is, when I saw it, I'm like, oh, I've seen that before. He's got really weird teeth. Has he got a tattoo on his head? He's bearing his teeth in that. Am I looking at it wrong? You know what uh, I mean? No, that's his bottom lip. Ah. He looks like DB, <laughs> he looks like DB Cooper got a drug habit. Yeah. No, DB Cooper started dealing drugs. So, uh, it okay. So, is there moments before? So, does that mean he's like watching them go off as well? I potentially. Mate, I mean, you can't always if, like, at the university they're in someone's office. Yeah, he said one one day that computer card thing was there for what, yeah, five days. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But just in this case, out. he certainly would have been aware of it, surely. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, got he far. would have been in the neighbourhood, so he would have at least heard it. Yeah. Um, It would seem that being sighted spooked the Unabomber. So it seems like that sketch of that person was him or at least someone yeah. directly involved. Because after that sketch uh, went public, the bombing stopped, at least for the time being. Yeah. At this point... Because there's only been 12, and that's like, I'm okay with that number, but... At that point, are you aiming for 20? Nah, 15. 15's okay. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? You got a problem with a dozen, though. No, no, no. I don't mind 12, but I know there's more. So now he's got to go to at least 15 to 20 for me. That'd be good. 15 or 20. If it's like 17, I'm going to be pretty pissed off. You know, you're playing God here. Every extra one is another bomb. I know, and I don't want that to be the case at all. That's why I want it to stop now. Okay. In fact, actually, I would have, honestly, and I'm putting this out there, okay. I would have loved this to have never happened. I think you would say would have loved to have stopped at 10. No, well, yeah, sure, if it had to happen. Well, no one would have died then. Yeah, you would have saved some lives. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Jess. Now, because you went for 12, you got greedy. <laughs> I didn't go for 12. I did not go for 12. He went for 12. Anyway, Matt, do go on. <laughs> at this point, the FBI have no great leads beyond the sketch. But they do have what they believe to be an absolute link between the Wright bombing and the rest of the uh, Unabomb serial bombings. 
And according to federal bomb expert Ron Walters, the bombs across the previous nine years display a high level of similarity. Police now have profiled their bomber as a disgruntled academician. So, I mean, I, I probably said academic. Yeah, and I mean, you wrote this. So... No, this is a quote. This is what the police. He's pre- some sort of academician. <laughs> Like Academ- a really smart dog. I reckon, like, really smart. Like, you can build a bomb with a fishing wire. Have you ever seen a dog that smart? Whoa. Three dogs broke into my parents' backyard over the weekend. What? The next door Separately? neighbors. A no. ga- were they a gang? A gang of dogs from next door. Just were they wearing bandanas? There's two border collies. They weren't the beagle boys. I'm obsessed with border collies. Oh, and they're so clever too. What was the third one? A husky. Oh, wow. And so the big border collie and the husky get into the backyard and they're just running around playing in my parents' backyard. And then there was like a younger border collie and it was like, oh, I don't know, I'm a bit shy. And it was too scared to get in. But then the others were like, nah, come on. So then it broke in. And my dad went out there and they're all like, a friend. Oh, but they weren't like run away. They were like, no, hey, they were mate. like, hey, let's play. So now I know their names. And I went and visited my parents today and I stood on their back porch and I could see the dogs and I went, Molly and the both dogs looked at me and then they came over and I got to say hi to them. It was the best day ever. Wow. Anyway, I just thought I'd lighten up this yeah. uh, bombing episode What's with a that? cute anecdote about some border collies. <laughs> about academations. <laughs> Matt, how much did you enjoy that story? I thought it was great. Three dogs. Three dogs. Hanging yeah. out. Zipping around Good the backyard. Good things coming three dogs. Oh, man, what a day. One of them's called Molly. Which yeah. one, do you know which one? I think the the bigger border collie, not the little puppy one. But you don't know the other dog's name? No, I don't. But let's call them both Greg. Yeah, Greg, Greg, and Molly. Yeah, Greg one, Greg two. Yeah, <laughs> love you it. know which one's Greg two. <laughs> you know what you did. <laughs> anyway, Matt, do go on. So they've profiled the bomber as a disgruntled, disgruntled. Uh, what Academic did you call type. it? Academation <laughs> or computer worker. Well, why are they doing the airlines then? Yeah, but are they only assuming that because that a couple were at universities and a couple were at computer shops? A <laughs> guy's like, yep, we've run so. the data. Two universities, two computer shops. Six weeks later, we've got our guy. <laughs> Some sort of academation. <laughs> <laughs> this computer's never wrong, trust me. <laughs> it's a Dalmatian. He's really into acapella. <laughs> yeah. he, he's got the Dalmatian. You're going to talk, kid. You're going to talk. <laughs> Tells them to put the sketch in the bin. That's not him. No spots. No way. <laughs> He's obsessed. According to the FBI website, the Unibomb task force grew to include more than 150 full-time investigators. Whoa. Anal- analysts and others. This is how elusive the Unibomber was proving to be. From history.com. I quote, as FBI criminal profiler James R. Fitzgerald told NPR in 2017, lab tests suggested that the Unabomber had torn the skins off the batteries used and fashioned homemade adhesive by melting down deer hooves. And of course, no fingerprints, no DNA, nothing like that, Fitzgerald added. Melting down deer hooves. Right. Just so it's fully untraceable. Classic Dalmatians. Mm. They are resourceful. (laughs) That's weird. That's too much effort, honestly. But I'm a lazy person. Right. I kind of want to move house because there's some mold in mine. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm out. Uh, no, that's not That's not lazy. I'm not cleaning it up. It I takes, just, I'm going to leave. That's yeah. not some mold. That's to- you got toadstools on your windowsill. Yeah, it's disgusting. But leaving takes a lot. Yeah, got pack it all up. Just moved house. And it was, it was horrific. Ugh, nightmare. Killed me. Still, get, you get a fungal expert in. Yeah. They'll fix that. They right seem up. like they'll be fun to chat to. Oh, yeah. 
People are passionate about fungal. We're a fun guy. Oh no. <laughs> Matt, can you edit in some sort of like sound effect? Jess! She did it. <laughs> I did it myself. She did it. <laughs> a fun guy. <laughs> yes, that is good. I'll edit out that bit in between. <laughs> Despite the bomber proving too good at keeping their identity hidden, the FBI were confident. <laughs> He's a little too good. <laughs> the, the FBI were confident that the Unabomber had been raised in Chicago and later lived in the Salt Lake City and San Francisco areas. They weren't sure of their occupation, however, with theories ranging from aircraft mechanic to scientist. And, and their gender wasn't clear, though they believed the bomber was most likely male. They were also investigating several female suspects. Women can be bombers too. Six years had passed since the Salt Lake City computer store bombing and the sketch came out. So Six years, wow. Six and years no bombs. No bombs. And do they still have these full-time people trying to crack it all the time? I think I don't think they ever shut it down, yeah. Wow. Um, nearly six years. Or six years passed. Wait, hang on. Was it six years? Let me just double check that. Say something interesting. Jess! <laughs> I was hoping I'd get a go. You were yawning. I wanted to help you out. It, you. Sorry, a bit of a pull behind the curtain there, but uh, sometimes the three of us feel fatigue. It was <laughs> <laughs> not me. <laughs> I uh, only yawn to get more more air in my body. <laughs> but not to wake me up, just to uh, keep me away. Okay, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it was over six years. Yeah. Um, Thank God. When on June the 23rd, 1993, Dr. Charles Epstein, a geneticist at the University of California, received a package at his home in Tiburon. Dave, we were alive by this time. I know. We were suddenly, toddlers. Suddenly we're suspects. Where were you? I don't remember. <laughs> how do you? Because Americans listen, they'll, they'll be annoyed by how I said that. Yeah. Tiburon? Tiburon. Tiburon. That's definitely not it. So at his home at Tiburon, California. Tiburon? Tiberon. Tiberon. His daughter. That sounds like an eighties futuristic tech don't, company. Well, just don't, just don't tweet at us. <laughs> Here at Tiberon, <laughs> yeah. we from, like to incorporate things. We're from a different country, and you'd get Woolloomooloo wrong. Different so languages. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't <laughs> think people would actually be annoyed. It is. No, well, but they'll let us know. Yeah, some might maybe will. It's like Australians get annoyed when Americans say Melbourne. We've talked about this before. Yeah. I love it. I love I'm getting it. over it, like my hatred of it. I used to be pissed off about it, but now because of this, I'm like, oh, that's because fair. Because of Tiberon. Of course you'd sell, say it like Melbourne because yeah. of how it's spelt. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And to me it as sounds well. silly when you say Melbourne. Yeah, I think it's. I love when Americans say Melbourne. Melbourne, Australia. Yeah, that's where we live. Love and thank that. you for coming. You know, I'm over it now. I've grown. As a person. You have grown. You're in your late 20s now. Oh, so late. So, so late. The clock is ticking. It's our birthday month, Dave. Yes, we're in it. Woo! Gotta be in it to win it. God, remember when we were nearly part of the 27 club? (sighs) In what way? Well, that we were 27 and alive. (laughs) (laughs) But at any day, it could have changed. Yeah, we had 12 good months. And then we turned 28 and we went, whew, can't die now. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You make it this far. You're immortal. Mm. That's my understanding. Mm. Oh, yeah. Do not shatter that for me. Well, I've lived for centuries since. True. <laughs> True. So Dr. <laughs> Charles Epstein, a geneticist at the University of California, uh, received a package at his home in Tiburon, mm. California. Uh, his daughter, Joanna, brought it inside before Epstein opened it to find the dreaded wooden box. 
I, I mean, a lot of times past. Yeah, it's it, over six years. Yeah, I'm thinking like place. I don't. I've never received a wooden box, but if I was in America at this point, I'd be going wooden box. But obviously, it just well, I don't even think at that point it was even fully in the you know the public's consciousness or whatever. Uh, the resulting explosion, he opened it, the resulting explosion badly, badly damaged Epstein's right hand. It also broke his arm and caused <gasps> multiple abdomen, abdominal injuries. Broke his arm? Yes. So the force is Whoa. getting stronger. And abdominal issues. Yeah. Epstein was well known for his research work in a Down syndrome. So he was quite a famous sort of uh, scientist. According to a 2011 article in the New York Times, I called it articles. This is a bitchery. I think I was trying to avoid it being sadder than it needed to be. But, I mean, he lived till his late 70s. Mm. Um, in his obituary uh, uh, in the New York Times, it said, after extensive surgery and rehabilitation, Dr. Epstein was able to resume not only his scientific career but also playing the cello. An art he had pursued passionately since boyhood. So that was kind of, it was That's like, nice. I love when people cop something fucked that is not at all their fault. Yeah. And just fight on it. I feel like I'm the kind of person who feels sad for myself for ages. Matt, you've had a cold for two weeks. I know. And, and it's the lowest I've ever seen. I've, I haven't you. seen you play the cello in over a fortnight. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually, I'm pretty sure he lost fingers and he relearned, he wow. relearned how to play the cello. Yeah, so, I know what you mean. Because what I, a legend. I also think I'd be the type to. Go well. That I'm. Um, that's it for me. But also, who knows? Yeah, that's true. Um, but anyway, I just there was something about him. I'm like, oh, what a what a legend. I, it's just something. There's something like a, that's a feel good movie. Him I'm, overcoming and finishes with him playing the cello. I'm just glad that he. <laughs> what feel good movie opens with a man opening a box that has a bomb in it? Well, I was just worried when you said his daughter brought it brought the mail Have in. You seen I was 12 like, Twelve Monkeys. What's the one with the box and the head in it? Something Seven. Else. Seven. <laughs> yeah, feel good classic. Why am I confusing those Oh, two? God, that was a great romp. <laughs> I was worried when you said his daughter brought it in. I was like, no, don't mm. open it. But I'm glad that it didn't, it wasn't fatal right then. Yes. Only two days after the Epstein bomb, the Unabomber struck again. For, for the 14th time. This next passage is from a 2007 article on Yale Daily News. Yale could use an international airport. <laughs> Early in the morning of June 24th, 1993, Yale computer science professor David Galerner settled in his fifth floor office in Arthur K. Watson Hall at the base of Science Hill. Having just returned from, vac- from a vacation in Washington, D.C., Galerner found a stack of mail, including a package, a PhD dissertation, he assumed, sitting on his chair. Ripping open the package, smoke billowed out, and then a flash... Galertner headed to the nearby bathroom to wash his eye before discovering a more pressing concern. He was bleeding profusely. Rather than wait for help to arrive, he hobbled down five flights of stairs. This is a quote from him. In pain and royally annoyed, he headed across to the university health services. I love royally annoyed. Is that really a He's, quote from him? Yeah. He referred to himself as he moved across the Royally annoyed, he moved across the room. Uh, As a, uh, well, the, the quote was in pain. Yeah, 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 sorry. It just sounded a little bit like he was referring to himself as he. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he headed off to University Health Services. Um, had he waited for help to arrive to him in his office, he likely would have bled to death, doctors told him. 
My first thought was along the lines of, bombs must be going off all over campus this morning, Glertner wrote. It didn't occur to me that I could possibly have been singled out as a target. I was not a... Uh, I was not in a murder-prone line of work. I had no personal enemies. <laughs> murder-prone. I had no personal enemies on account not of being lovable, but of being obscure. When he arrived at the clinic, Glertner had a blood pressure reading of zero. FBI, which I assume is bad. FBI <laughs> agents pretty bad, I think, yeah. later found one of his shoes in his office where shrapnel sliced through metal filing cabinets. What? So it says how lucky he was. They also found his blood, bloodied shirt strewn on the staircase. The bomb had severely wounded his abdomen, chest, face, and hand. And even today, this is you know ten years ago. Even today, Glertner does not have the use of his right hand. The lasting pain is the primary negative consequence of the Unabomber attack. But Whoa. the attack also provided Glertner a new appreciation for the kindness of his colleagues, students, and family. Saying a crime like this is hideous but it also illuminates in a rather moving way the capacity for sympathy and support that exists in the community at large. He really appreciates it. Yeah. Far out. Um, he was another one who, um, one of his fears, was, he was a scientist, but he also loved painting. And one of his fears, he wouldn't be able to do that, but he taught himself to paint with the opposite hand. And now he, he reckons he paints with it just as well as he did. Oh, these guys are incredible. So... <clears throat> Obviously, well, he was in such shock that he just didn't feel the pain of yeah. He being just, it, it just to him, he thought there was powder going in his eyes, but it was obviously just a flash, and it just happened so quickly that wow, he didn't notice until he saw his own body bleeding. Mm. Yeah, Whoa. but it was just heaps of wounds cut him right up. So, ugh. Um. So yeah, like I say, the the bombs are getting increasingly and that more was devastating. A, only two days after the last one. Yep. Yeah. After a six-year break, crazy, insane. An LA Times article covering the two 1993 bombings makes it clear that while the FBI could see links between uh, these new attacks and the 80s ones, the idea of the Unabomber was not really in the public's consciousness at this point. Um, this is a quoting from the, uh, the LA Times article. FBI Director William S. Sessions, speaking in San Francisco, said the agency would go back and look at all bombings of a similar nature, including the series of mail bombs dubbed Unabomb, Apparently, a shorthand for university bombing. So that's the journalist going. Apparently, you know, I haven't heard of it. Right. Apparently, that's shorthand for university <coughs> bombing, which isn't even quite right. And they spell it Unibomb with an I. Right. Okay. Right. So it's not even like front page news then. Yeah. It's been six years. It's any maybe any worries about it have, have gone away, and, and yeah. journalists now. Are... I just thought it would have been like front page. He's back. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. That's right. But it doesn't seem like it is that. God, that's odd. Hmm. Uh, on the same day as the Yale bombing, the New York Times received a letter from someone claiming to be from an anarchist group called FC, or Freedom Club. Oh. The letter was mailed from Sacramento just prior to the Yale and Epstein bombs, uh, just before they went off. The letter also includes a code that they promise to use in any future communication from the group to prove it's genuine. On December the 10th, 1994, advertising executive Thomas Mosser was in the kitchen of his family home in North Caldwell, New Jersey. Luckily, his wife and children were in another part of the house when he opened a package addressed to him. According to the Washington Post, they were preparing to go buy a Christmas tree when the explosion occurred, which instantly uh, and brutally killed Mosser. Fuck! His wife rushed in to find the grim scene, futilely trying to stem the bleeding with a baby's blanket. Oh, my God. Oh. 
That's the most. Yeah. Oh, that's just in his kitchen. Yeah. Far out. And what was his occupation? Sorry. He was an advertising executive. Right. So I mean, that's not that's a really new linked. career, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, it's completely different. Um, Mosser was fifty and had spent a career at Burson Masterler, a New York public relations firm. He was a guy who was just symboli- uh, who just symbolized integrity, a very square shooter, a guy to, who, to my knowledge, had no known enemies, said Harold Burson, co-founder of the firm. Um, so I think that's 15. Mm-hmm. Four months later, the Unabomber struck again. And this is from allbutsinteresting.com. Um, maybe that other, what did I say the last one was 15? So this yeah. one's 16. Yes, that's right. Um, so this is this is um, an, uh, from an article on allthat'sinteresting.com, which I think we've we've grown to. Quite, me and Dave, at least, have grown to quite enjoy mm. enjoy their articles. Great website if you want to peruse for interesting things. Yeah, stuff. just and quite in depth on all sorts of things. Well, all that's interesting, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> we only talk about interesting things here, and yeah. all that's interesting. Um, on April twenty fourth, nineteen ninety five, Gilbert Murray, executive director of the California Forestry Association, received a package. It was about the size and shape of a shoebox and wrapped in brown paper. It was oddly heavy. Stranger still, it was addressed to his predecessor. The previous executive, William Dennison, had been a vocal lobbyist for the logging industry for a decade and led the change against environmental groups in what had been called the Timber Wars. Whereas Dennison was contentious, the 47-year-old Murray was by all accounts mild-mannered and well-liked. This doesn't sound good. A little after 2pm, Murray opened the box. A massive explosion... Ripped through the one-story brick office building, shattering windows and blowing doors off their hinges. Holy shit. So that took a step up, didn't it? Murray was killed instantly, the third fatal victim of the Unabomber, the most wanted individual in the United States, whoever they were. Whoa. Um, Also, don't open other people's mail. Not addressed to you. (laughs) Okay, so I was moving out of my house and uh, I found a letter that had been sent from Nando's to uh, a house that I used to live in that I kept because it made me laugh. It was addressed to someone else, and it was, but it was from Nando's. And I was like, who writes Nando's? So illegally I did open someone else's mail, and um, they hadn't lived there for years. And it, it said, congratulations on your redeployment to Nando's. <laughs> <laughs> like they'd been called out of retirement. Yeah, like to active duty. <laughs> yeah, it was a, your redeployment, and it referred to their career as a Nandoka. Oh, on the front line. Yeah. Oh, my God. I kept that because it made me laugh. <laughs> okay. So someone still is sitting there waiting for the call-up. They're waiting for the call-up, but they <laughs> stopped living it on Oxley Road many years ago. That's great. You should have just wandered in. What? <laughs> took, took up the post. <laughs> All right, it's me. <laughs> Aaron Peterson reporting for duty. That is. Saluting the manager, the 17-year-old manager of the show. <laughs> That's going to come straight out of my pay. <laughs> oh, it's just dropped in the deep fryer. <laughs> Let's get it out. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> um, so that week uh, that Murray was killed with that, probably the biggest explosion that's so far. incredible. The doors off hinges is yeah, that's pretty intense. Wild, considering it was like the first few were kind of like a bang, and they'd go ow. Yeah, you go oh, that was scary. But yeah, this is like, like a party popper has become like a weapon. That's destroying a, a building. Yeah, and a life. More importantly, 
The Associated Press reported that week that a senior federal law enforcement official in Washington, D.C. said today that bomb experts have confirmed the fatal bomb was indeed sent by the Unabomber. His devices are very, very clearly his devices, said the official, who requested anonymity, which I think you can understand why people wouldn't want to be... Oh, yeah, good point, yeah. ...publicly talking, you know, putting their name into the media about this. Or their address. The article goes on to say that the Unabomber is thought to be an antisocial white male in his early 40s, showing that the FBI were narrowing in on a profile and that the public was now... Uh, now knew the culprit by the Unabomber moniker mm. as the papers are starting to use that term. Thank goodness. Yeah, it feels like there was a lot going on, obviously, in America back then, but it feels like if if bombs were periodically going off mm. in the in Australia, it feels like it We'd, would be front page every day. That's mm. all we talk about. Yeah. The bombs were becoming more deadly with three of the last six proving fatal for those who opened the packages. On the same day that Murray was killed... The New York Times received another letter from the terrorist group FC. According to the Associated Press article, in a boastful, taunting and demanding letter to the Times, the Unabomber claims he belongs to a group that advocates breaking down society into small, autonomous units, and he offers to stop the bombings if major print media agree to publish a 37,000-word article espousing his group's views. If the answer is unsatisfactory, we will start building our next bomb, the letter warns. Mm, we. It also warns that they will be able to pack deadly bombs into even smaller, lighter, and more harmless-looking packages. Clearly, he continues, we are in a position to do a great deal of damage, and it doesn't appear that the FBI is going to catch us anytime soon. The FBI is a joke. Sort of taunting the feds a bit there. He says his group's immediate goal is the destruction of the worldwide industrial system. Through our bombings, we hope to promote social instability in industrial society, propagate anti-industrial ideas and give encouragement to those who hate the industrial system. So this letter gave the greatest insight yet into the bomber's motivations. It's almost like he literally wanted to blow the world back to the 1700s before the Industrial Revolution. That was his motivation is he hates technology and that starts to make sense. Some of these targets, computer stores, planes, um, scientists... Weird advertising. Yes. That. Yeah, there are a few few that don't, <laughs> don't quite don't match. Yeah. Turpentine. <clears throat> yeah. Yuck. Big turpentine. <laughs> Take him out. The letter also discusses many of the previous bombs, noting that he was disappointed in the limited damage of the bombs in the late seventies and early eighties, saying, "Our early bombs were too ineffectual to attract much public attention or give encouragement to those who hate the system." He also offers an explanation for why there were long gaps between some of the attacks, writing that he took a couple of years off to do, something, to do some experimenting. We learned how to make pipe bombs that were powerful enough, and we used, the, we used these in a couple of successful bombings, as well as in some unsuccessful ones. The letter also mentions the failed plane bomb from 1979, saying, The idea was to kill a lot of business people who we assumed would constitute the majority of passengers. But of course, some passengers would likely have been innocent people, maybe kids or some working stiff going to see his sick grandmother. We're glad now that the attempt failed. God, that's odd. Yeah. He expressed regret that the Vanderbilt University bomb blew up in the hands of the secretary rather than the intended target. 
but the letter includes no remorse over the more recent bombings. Writing, When we were young and comparatively reckless, we were much more careless in selecting targets than we are now. So he's, he's got no regrets about the um, advertising exec mm. or the timber, um, timber man. This is from the Associated Press again. The letter also discussed the, kill, uh, the December killing of advertising executive Thomas Mosser in New Jersey, claiming his public relations firm Burson Marsteller had represented Exxon in the Exxon Valdez oil spill disaster. While the Times said that the claim was incorrect, the letter leveled broader accusations against Burson Marsteller, claiming Mosser was targeted because his company was responsible for manipulating people's attitudes. Oh, wow. <clears throat> So it's just sort of like, it seems like a real scattergun. Br- yeah. Um, on the university attacks, the letter stated, some news reports have made the misleading statement that we have been attacking universities or scholars. We would not want anyone to think that we have any desire to hurt professors who study archaeology, history, literature, or harmless stuff like that. The people we are out to get are the scientists and the engineers. Well, he really hates technology then. Yeah. God, that's strange. That's really weird. I'd be going after maths. <laughs> going to bomb maths back to the Stone Age. <laughs> Get rid of it. But I Long need Long division. What? It's the second time you mentioned maths today. I know. It's on my brain. You got maths on the brain? I got maths on the brain. Interesting. <laughs> Investigators by this stage had also noted the bomber's fixation with wood. As well as disguising all the bombs inside wood. I love wood. <laughs> P.S. I love wood. <laughs> I've got wood for wood. As well as disguising all the bombs inside wood, they also noted a few direct and incidental things linking his victims to wood. For instance, Murray worked for the timber industry. Obviously, that's a pretty direct one. He was, you know, in a prologging organization. But then Mossa lived on Aspen Drive. I think Aspen's a type of wood. Associated Press goes on to say that earlier victims included a man named Wood <laughs> and the Unabomber has used phony return addresses on his bombs such as Ravenswood and Forest Glen Road. One bomb was encased in a book cover embossed with a tree leaf and many of his bombs have included unusual wooden parts and an early bomb had twigs attached. Right, okay. One of the ones that didn't go up. Maybe that, um, you know, you... Salt Lake City Uni one. Maybe he lives in the forest. I mean, do you have to put a return address on things? Well, I think that was one of uh, one of the, his tactics. Uh, I guess in part to make it look real, but sometimes he used the return address to get it to his intended yeah, target. Yeah, like that first one. Yeah, sometimes he didn't put enough um, postage on it, enough stamps, so, so it would be back. sent back. Oh. Yeah. Um, Weird. The timing of just the... send it to him. Yeah, I wonder. I guess it just it just just put a... puts people off the scent yeah. somehow. Harder to track. Yeah. Mm, I don't. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. Imagine uh, if he put his real return address on there. Just one time, just absentmindedly. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Just uh, Derek Smalls. <laughs> Damn it. He's the bass player. Yeah, I was going to say, I just tried to make up a name and I, I said the Spinals have gone. <laughs> the timing of the letter is also interesting as it was sent the day after the Oklahoma bombing, which killed 168 people. Though his letter makes no mention of this attack, 
Some believe that it's what triggered him to send it, as the Oklahoma bomber was getting a lot more attention than him. And if you remember back to my Waco siege report, the Oklahoma bombing was a revenge attack for the events at Waco. So a lot of these events are sort of kind of linked. Yeah, wow. Um, So back to the demand from FC in Mm. the letter. It said, publish the manifesto or expect more bombs. Do they send the manifesto as well? I I I don't know if they sent it then, but they they were going to send it or they had sent it. I'm not. Uh, I should know that. Because how else can the newspaper be like? How can they? Can how do they communicate with them? And be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, maybe I I feel like, I feel like they. I'm guessing they did. It was all there together, but maybe they had another system. I'm not sure. Um. So according to the FBI website. There was a lot of debate about whether or not they should give into the terrorist demands, but in the end, FBI Director Louis Free, or Louis Free, and Attorney General Janet Reno approved the task force's recommendation to public uh, publish the essay in hopes that a reader could identify the author. Ah. So they're like, I mean, on the one hand, if it does stop the bombings, that's obviously good. Yep. On the other hand, it might actually help us find. Find them. So they're kind of looking at it like a win-win in a way. Yeah, but it was still took it. There was a lot of arguing as yeah. to whether or not it was the right move. Because the idea of that was to sort of uh, what the bomber would be thinking was to motivate other people to sort of join them, right? Yeah, I guess so. But honestly, it's so long. No one's reading that. Thirty-seven thousand words. Yeah. Nah, no yeah. one's reading that in the paper. You know. Yeah. I skip. I read the headlines. I read what. I'm interested in. I read the cartoons. <laughs> and it was like, I'll, I'll stop the bong if you let me publish this comic. <laughs> <laughs> Three <laughs> panels. Then they might get through yeah. to people. Let me write Garfield this week. You know what? No, just make it the horoscopes. Oh. Then you can get people on your side. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm always like, such bullshit. But unless, if, but if it sounds good to me, I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, Virgo. You will get and if I don't rich. Like, if I don't like Virgo, I'll read Leo as well because I'm on the cusp. <laughs> oh, right. Is that you? Can get a bit of that if you're on the cusp. I claim it. I'm on the cusp of Libra, and then one after Libra. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, because I'm. Yeah, I think I'm only. How how close do you have to be for the cusp? I'm like three days off. I'm two. Oh. You're even cusper than me. Yeah, I'm even cusper. Cusper the friendly. It's up to the 24th. And I'm honestly such a Leo, but got a bit of Virgo in me too. You know, I love to plan. Ah, the virgin lion. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) I'm a virgin lion. Virgin in the sheets. (laughs) Lion in the... Streets? Yeah. Yeah, that's you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even get it. <laughs> uh, given the green light, the... <laughs> you just made the funniest noise. It sounded like, to be honest, a lion. <sighs> I'm I'm still a bit sick. Sorry. Never apologize. That is why I've been misreading my own words a lot. Has that been annoying? No, no, not at all. I don't think we've noticed. Great. It'll be just as bad as usual. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, it's no different. Really. That is unfortunate. Maybe you're just suddenly aware of yeah. it. Honestly, you do this all the time. Can I write the reports, Dave, and you read them out? <laughs> Maybe your reports aren't that good. You're just a good reader of yeah. words. That's probably it. Cop that, you. Dave, I guess. Or not, I'm not sure. Thank you so much. <laughs> Got him. I love to read words out loud. Anyway. <laughs> given the green light, the Washington Post and the New York Times both published the manifesto 
titled Industrial Society and Its Future on September 19th, 1995. That wasn't the title. That was when it was published. <laughs> yeah. I would love. It was a poorly formed sentence. Is, have you read it? Is it like the technology it refers to so outdated now it sounds funny? Fax machines. Put them in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we will. Yeah, all right. No Floppy problem. disks out the window. All right. Get that beeper. Chuck it in the river. <laughs> no, put it in the river. We want the rivers. Put, a, put it in landfill. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm creating more waste. Burn <laughs> it. Oh, it's probably dangerous to burn the plastic. Oh. What am I talking about? I'm setting bombs <laughs> off everywhere. <laughs> Who am I to judge? Um, in it, the writer described their group as the Freedom Club or FC and the initial, you know, the initials etched into the bombs. As hoped, the publishing of the essay led to many new leads <gasps> coming. They, I mean, uh, there's also... So many articles um, critiquing the essay. A lot of people who, who were like, this is... <laughs> some people saying it's rantings of a madman. Other people going, he makes a lot of good points. If this is a madman, then so are, so is Karl Marx. And <laughs> this I'm is like, a madman, then call me mad. <laughs> and it, Man. It, there are people who still study it and, and um, it's apparently it was put into a book and sold thousands of copies. Holy shit. Wow. Uh, I think the bomber's like, um, can the royalties be forwarded to <laughs> this address? Uh, Woodwood Street, Woodtown. Oh, no. For Woody Wooderson. As hoped, the publishing of the essay led to many new leads coming from the public who believed they recognised the ideas and or writing style of the work. According to the FBI, thousands of people suggested possible suspects. How many friends would you recognise their writing <laughs> style? Wow. Yeah, it's a... I feel like that's at a different time, right? Reckon I recognise Matt's from all the mistakes. <laughs> oh, he kept stumbling here. <laughs> I'd recognise your reading style anyway. <laughs> what is this? What is? How do you say this? I've never said this out loud. <laughs> <laughs> that's all written in the report there. What is this? What is? How do you say that? Mine's just a rant about maths and accountants. And you're like, okay. All right, Bob. So you're also anti-mathematicians and accountants? No. Just accounts. Oh, I thought you were just making me linked to the Unabomber. <laughs> no. Okay. No, no. Yeah. Nah, mathematicians are fine, I guess. They're just nerds. They haven't said anything about hating mathematicians or accountants, accountants. yet. Hmm. Um, one person who thought she recognised the language used in the manifesto was a woman named Linda Patrick. Noting, noticing similarities to letters her husband, David Kaczynski, received from his older brother, Ted. Bringing this to her attention, uh, bringing this to her husband's attention, David was dubious, saying, I thought I was going to read the first page of this, turn to Linda and say, see, I told you so. But on an emotional level, it just sounded like my brother's voice. History.com describes David's brother, Ted, as a precocious math genius raised in the Chicago area. Oh, I don't think they'd have an article on him if he wasn't significant. Mm, Good point, Dave. (sighs) He had won a scholarship to attend Harvard University at the age of 16 and in 1967 became the youngest ever professor of mathematics at the University of California, Berkeley. Whoa. But just two years later, he left modern society behind to live in the woods. <laughs> That's what you said. Growing, foraging. I hate it when you're surprised that I've food. said something genius. <laughs> All right. Well, let me just say. That's the, what Jess said. The professional, the, the professional people were looking for a Dalmatian. True. And you listened to this just, and you found them just in the Just on a pod. Comedian on a podcast figured it out. He's in the woods. It was pretty. Let's go get him. You did, you've did. you said a few things uh, where <laughs> I've been like, oh, my God. You've, when you said maths a few times and when you said it, it sounds like someone living in the woods. I'm like, oh, my God. 
Yeah, guys, you need to understand that I'm so smart. Mm. The people, or, the people at home, have always known that. I think you just know too much. Oh no! You know who else is really smart? Ted. Yeah, Ted Kaczynski. Because I've never heard his name said out loud. Maybe Kaczynski. Kaczynski. So his um, IQ apparently is a little higher than Stephen Hawking's. Whoa. Okay. I mean, he was a 16-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. So to Harvard. Wow, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Um, after much soul searching, David provided some of Ted's letters to the FBI as a writing sample. Uh, they found them to be a very close match with similar words misspelled and similar phrasings and even content matter. Whoa, that would be hard, like yeah. dobbing in your brother. He apparently took him months to decide. I'd throw my brother straight under that bus. They were a strange In exchange for a reward. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'd wait for them to be like, we'll give you money for it. And then I'd be like, take him. He made a deal with them. He said, um, no death penalty. Oh. Um, And I think he really loved his brother. Of course. But he was, you know, he was obviously he was living in a whole other world. Yes. Anyway, so those samples of his writing was enough to organize a warrant for the FBI. And on April the 3rd, 1996, Ted Kaczynski Mm. was arrested at his shack near Lincoln in rural Montana. Wow. Due to the nature of the crimes being investigated, it was a painstaking search with agents wary of booby traps and live explosives. Yeah, that's what you'd be scared of with somebody like this. They x-rayed everything as they went just to make sure. And this proved why. <laughs> Every piece of wood could have a bomb. Yeah, exactly. Anything could be a bomb. And you said it proved to be wise. Proved to be wise as, as um, according to smithsonian.com, Inside the cabin, they found bomb-making materials, a live bomb ready for mailing, which they luckily realised. Uh, the original manifesto manuscript, which is obviously a pretty handy piece of evidence. Yeah. Um, and 40,000 pages of journals recording Kaczynski's daily life, his bombing campaign, his anger. Oh, my God. So, so a big confession. Yeah. The Freedom Whoa. Club, it emerged, had a membership of one. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, Wow. He was the first member. Yeah. So he's always... He's, he's, founding. He's, the founding, founding member. member. He's always talking in the plural we, where the, the Freedom Club, but it yeah. was... Just him. Only ever him. So after using so many clever tricks to hide his identity, it was his own words that brought him undone. His 17-year reign of terror resulting in the deaths of three people and the injuries of 23 others was finally over. Whoa. And so he was at the cabin and yep. was just arrested on site. In the doorway, yeah. Wow. It had, and he, he really, like, he was really anti-technology. There was no plumbing, electricity, anything. He went, he hunted squirrels and ate berries. He just lived full, you know, pre-industrial Whoa. world lifestyle. Far out. Apparently, I read somewhere that um, one of the things, he, he moved out there, I think, before he started sending the bombs. And one of the things that maybe started triggering him was he was, like, living in quite a, a secluded area and, and more and more there'd be like RVs coming through and he'd have more people in sort of encroaching on his space, I guess. Wow. Uh, but obviously with he... With fax machines. But he's <laughs> travelled distances to... Yeah. Well, a or, couple of them have seemed like but, they've been dropped off. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he, that sketch I think was of him, I think. Yeah. But then others, obviously it's easy to mail it, but like what's he... 
But I mean, he's yeah. also like, I mean, he's an ex, he worked at a university, sort of, as far as anyone knows, he's a respectable guy who's decided to go live in the woods. Yeah. Do they ever know how he chose the professors and things that he sent them to? Sort of. Um, I'll Just I, continue I, okay, yeah. as you've written it, I reckon, and you'll you'll give us the information that we want. Okay. Just, sorry, I'm just, we're just so fascinated. Yeah, I know. Some, um, well, I'm a bit spooked, actually. Yeah, me too. It's been... Um, yeah, some of it's so heartbreaking reading the accounts of the victims and yeah, um, uh, that's Christmas one especially. That's really awful. Ha- absolutely, hard. I mean they all are, but that one especially. I don't know, just was like, oh my god. On but- a more immediate level, though, um, after we finish recording tonight, I have to go to to work at Triple J, where I am alone on the fourth floor. Uh, in the dark. With a lot of wood. For f- six hours. But also a really good security team. One oh. of whom listens oh. to this show. Yeah, he does. And good he's dude. a legend. He calls me Mr. Stewart when I come in. Yeah, he calls me Bop. So That's interesting. <laughs> He's a little more comfortable with you, obviously. Yeah, but I'm there a lot more. Oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> we talk footy. <laughs> okay. Normally it's like him trying to pet me up. Oh, Saints are looking. No, they're looking. <laughs> He's sweet. such a sweet man. For me, it's usually him going, you can do this. <laughs> Hang in there. I know it's very early in the morning. <laughs> you get to go to bed soon. It's that sort of chat for oh, us. Yeah, because yeah, I look very depressed because <laughs> I'm tired. Well, I think it's similar reason for him <laughs> talking up the saints to me. Um, so once they had their man, once they had their man, the FBI realized that Kaczynski's unusual biography had also helped him from being discovered as History.com explains. Though computers had helped the FBI compile a vast list of potential suspects based on the targets. <laughs> All dogs. <laughs> Different kinds of dogs. Yeah. yeah. They were like, let's expand this beyond just Dalmatians. Yeah, so, I think it could be a miniature schnauzer. <laughs> so they were working off based on the, the targets and also the locations of the attacks. Mm. And Ted's name was actually on the list. Um, it was. Yeah. But investigators, I mean, it was a long list. Yes. Though. Investigators had believed they were looking for a man some 10 years older than he was. Right. We felt strongly that his origins were in Chicago and he gradually moved west, the FBI's Jim R. Freeman told the Times in 1998. How could we know he went to Harvard when he was 16 years old? Yeah. So that threw him right out. All their timelines was, I think that they thought it oh, was. Oh, because he was the youngest studying. ever. Yeah, so they're thinking... So that, that was one of the things that threw him off the scent a little bit. Um, this next section comes from uh, smithsonian.com uh, and it uh, discusses the trial. But maybe I didn't talk about... What was your question before? Because, I mean, I... Oh, my question before was just how he picked those random d- right. different professors and things. Mm. Well, it does seem like some of them were literally picked because they had some sort of wood connection. It seems like maybe he did pick wood because his surname was Wood. Oh, God. Um the timber industry, some of them was like he he, he read an article saying that um, that PR firm um, re- tried to rehabilitate the image of Exxon, which was not true. That article he quoted was false. And and even um, the firm that uh, he, he misspelled the firm's name, which was the same misspelling from this article that falsely... Uh. Oh, so man. we just had bad information. Imagine writing that article and then later finding out that your false article <laughs> resulted in that. Wow. Yeah. Um, and others were like he did teach it, like some of the universities that he spent time at. There were places he was around, so maybe he was just familiar with them. Um, 
but yeah, a lot of them was just like I've I've looked it up in a phone book. This guy works as the head of in science. I'm anti-science. I'm gonna. I think oh. a lot of it was that sort of Whoa. random. That's not good. And that's why some of them were like, I can't like people going, how was he a target? He's got no enemies. But it was just, yeah, relatively random. And often it was sort of like they don't even work in um, areas of science that are even that controversial at all. Like they're trying to help people. But yeah, he just wasn't able to draw the draw the distinction, or I'm not sure. Mm. Um so yeah, this next part I'm I'm uh, quoting from an article written by journalist William Finnegan, who discussed the trial. Um, this is what he said: Kaczynski was put on trial in federal court in Sacramento in late 1997. The government sought the death penalty, breaking an agreement with David Kaczynski to forego it. Oh. oh. David and their mother Wanda came to court each day, but Ted, sitting a few feet away, never acknowledged them. His demeanour in court was polite, attentive, calm. The shaggy hermit whose picture had been broadcast across the world now looked and acted like a mild professor. Uh, a jury was selected, but the trial proper never started. But Kaczynski was locked in a procedural battle with his own lawyers, the prosecutors, and ultimately the judge about his defence. His court-appointed lawyers believed his best chance of avoiding the death penalty was to plead not guilty by reason of insanity. Being labelled mentally ill was Kaczynski's, Kaczynski's worst fear. He tried to fire his lawyers in favour of a private attorney willing to let him risk execution to present his case, which was a political argument relying on the manifesto explaining why he thought his actions were necessary. But the judge denied the change of counsel, which I found must be so frustrating. I was like, but it's, it's for me. I mm. want to change my lawyer. And you're not, no, you're not allowed to. Um, a psychiatric evaluation ordered by the court diagnosed Kaczynski as paranoid schizophrenic. Kaczynski asked to represent himself. The judge denied this request too. Checkmated, Kaczynski pleaded guilty rather than hear himself represented at the trial as insane. Whoa. He had been denied his day in court, I thought. This is uh, still the journalist William mm. Finnegan's words. He'd been denied his day in court, I thought, because nobody in power wanted to hear his political message. His lawyers, all talented idealists, just wanted to save his life. The prosecutors had begun to doubt that they could achieve their goal, a death sentence at trial. So they were just now hoping to get life. Um, the judge did not want to see his courtroom become Kaczynski's soapbox, and in the end, each faction avoided the outcome it feared. On May the 4th, 1998, Kaczynski received four life sentences. I also read in other places, including Wikipedia, that he got eight life sentences, but I guess. Right. Um, and it's double, but it, I think it means the same thing. Mm, yeah. But avoided the death penalty. <clears throat> yes. Right. Um, yeah. It seems everyone sort of got their way apart from him in that case. He was like, he didn't get to, he wanted to defend his actions, which I imagine would have been very hard to do. Yeah. yeah, but not to his reasoning. To him, I think maybe he feels like he could be like, well, here's why. And people would go, all right, uh, understandable. Yes. You can have 20 years in prison. Right. But also, and I guess that's what the judge was. He, the judge didn't want him to use his court yeah. as his own soapbox because that would have been him. And Matt, yeah, I think. I can't imagine he would have been concise about it either. Yeah. It's not like um, 
it's it's not like ideas of of technology has gone too far and modern life aren't unpopular. Mm. You know, people, especially people as they get older, seem to think more that way all the yeah. time. But um, it's true. Obviously, not like this, but mm. it is a it is a pretty popular idea that technology is fucking up people's lives. Yeah, big time. Um. So yeah, it's that's where he still is now. He's in incarcerated in a supermax prison. I think he's seventy eight now. Um, and according to Finnegan, he remains a prolific writer, corresponding in longhand with hundreds of people and producing essays and books. In a report for the fiftieth reunion of his class at Harvard, Kaczynski gave his occupation as prisoner. Under awards, he listed his life sentences. Whoa! Oh. So he says as a badge. I'm not, yeah. It's either, it's dark humour at the very least. Or, yeah. Um, a badge at the worst. Mm. Weird. Yes, but he's, I mean, there's, like, I, I was thinking about writing a whole nother few pages about the people who kind of follow his his work. And, you know, there are groups online who, who um, are dedicated to his, basically his teachings and stuff. Ironically on the internet, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, but that's troubling. Yeah, so there's a there's he's he does have a leg. I mean, he's obviously a very good communicator. He sounds like he responds to everyone. Um, that journalist himself um, tried to talk to him early, and eventually they did communicate back and forth a fair bit. Wow. Uh, yeah, so it's a it's a it's a wild story, and it's amazing that. Yeah, I think the only time, the only reason I've heard the word Unabomber was Dave Letterman saying to Joaquin Phoenix on that famous, remember that not, I'm not that movie? there. I'm not there when he was interviewed. Yeah. On Letterman, Letterman said something like, "Oh, the Unabombers in tonight or something like that." <laughs> and I, I didn't get the reference. Edgy, but I, Dave. <laughs> yeah, damn. Um. Yeah, and that was all I knew about it. So I was actually surprised to see it won the vote. The other, the other one I put up that I thought was going to win was the Black Dahlia murder, which has been requested so many times. Yeah. I'm kind of glad you didn't do it. You would have probably upset you, I think. Would it? Yeah, right. It's very violent death. Right. Yeah. I mean, there were plenty of those here too. Yeah, true. But... True. Wow. Well, Matt, you did a great job with the report though. I like the way I like the way you approached Yeah, that, that was great. And you really didn't, yeah, it was Good you didn't skip over any of the bombs yet. But also, are... I'm a genius and I picked it all. Yeah. You did, yeah. It was amazing how you would, yeah. I, I can't remember what you said about the maths, but it was like, oh, that feels kind of kind of intuitive. But yeah, you genuinely My strength just... is people. Yeah. Mm. I read people well. So straight away I'm like, ooh, 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 what am I hearing here? What am I not hearing here? Ex- Active listening. That's what it is. Uh-huh. I see. Well, expect I'm, a call I'm from the, the FBI. I'm feeling the letter A. Has anyone recently <laughs> lost someone? I didn't say I'm psychic yeah, or yeah. a medium. What's not being said here? Hmm. <laughs> Ghosts. What's not being said here? Which letter okay, of the alphabet? No one's saying they're enjoying this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, I f- that stuff is real hard to watch when it's going badly. <laughs> oh. Imagine the edited and, you know, the TV specials that end up. Remember, there was... Popular primetime TV for a little while. Yeah. John, Edwards. John Edwards. Crossing over. Amazing. Yeah. The, uh, the edited out parts would have been brutal. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I meant B. Yeah, those editors C. are kind. <laughs> and still it was an awkward watch from the small yeah. parts I saw. 
But good on uh, John Edwards if you are listening. Yeah, I'm assuming he is. He's You're doing great listening. work. Well, yeah, that's the thing. He's, he knows. He's trying not to. He's trying to tune us out. But he's just trying to chill out. He's in the bath, having a soak. Yeah. In the tub. Yeah, be very frustrating. And a glass of vino in the tub. Oh. People are talking about me oh again. My God, that leave sounds... me alone. I'm what soaking a... in the tub. <laughs> John Edwards, you're living a great life. Yeah, that's the dream. Well done. Yeah, I think he's a millionaire from all that lying. <laughs> Dave, Dave the skeptic. Ooh, bad boy. <laughs> oh, bad boy. Oh, well, that that is the end of the report. Um, thank you so much for listening. And you know what happens after uh, the report? Well, do go on after dark. Yeah, it's the <laughs> it's the after show, um, which starts with the fact. A quote or question segment. Dave, can you explain it while I cough? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, while Matt coughs away there, uh, the fact, quote, or question segment is part of our Patreon rewards system. Now, we've got a, a few tiers. If you want to support the show, you listen every week and you think it's uh, a good thing you want to keep uh, going after all these years, you can go to patreon.com slash pod. You chip in a couple of bucks each month. Two bucks, five bucks, ten bucks, whatever it is. And uh, at those different levels, you get uh, different rewards, including you get to vote for the topics, like Matt said this week. You get two bonus episodes at a certain level. You get shout-outs. You're part of the Facebook group on Patreon where people discuss all things Do Go On and uh, even some things not related to Do Go On, but it's still fun in there. And um, Could there be fun things that aren't Do Go On? I don't think so, yeah. no. That's why I chuckled when Dave <laughs> said, oh, it's still fun. It's like he's just being kind. And uh, also <laughs> Matt does a uh, thing called the fact, quote, or question segment where people at the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Package Rest in Peace Memorial uh, level submit a fact, quote, or a question for Matt to read out and also they give themselves a title. That's right. That same level also gets to vote on two of the topics. So there's... One lower level gets to vote every third week, but uh, on the Sydney Scheinberg level, they get to vote two out of the three weeks' yeah. topics, and that was they were the group who voted for today's one. So it came, it's a small group, and you know it came down to only a handful of, of votes. So um, if you want to feel powerful, the Sydney Scheinberg Memorial Rest in Peace level is for you. This week it is good friend of the show Gary J, who is our fact quote or question, who we met over in. The where do we meet him? Well, I think it was. I feel like it was in Birmingham. Birmingham, Gary Jane. I reckon it might have been Birmingham. We met him uh, with his girlfriend, who was. I love meeting the partner who has no interest. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the best. My favorite is when they're very happy to tell you as well. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what this is. I've never listened to this. <laughs> okay, thank that's you. That's fine. That's okay. I'm not saying that Gary J's partner did that, but it's just funny when people are so ready to tell you they do not give a shit about you. Yeah, and it's like, thank I, you so much. I, I imagine it, if I'm putting myself in their shoes, I reckon it's them getting on the front foot so they're not feeling caught out. Yeah, Don't sure. ask me anything. I need you to know. Okay, sorry. It may, honestly, I'm not offended. It may, I'm, I'm snapping chocolate off here because I'm... It's, you you it's have been wearing the loudest jacket imaginable and he now you just... At one point while well, I was talking, I was doing exercise. And <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't have to see it. I heard it. <laughs> Sorry, I've got a sore back from lifting boxes all day. Well, luckily you're wearing cellophane. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you call me out? I had no let's, idea. Let's snap off some loud chalky there. <laughs> Mate, it's the... If he gets chocolate, can I have chocolate while you read the fact right question? Yeah, of course. Yes. Go for it. There's two pieces for you there. Mine. So this is from Gary J. And you, like Dave said, you also get to give yourself a title. And Gary J has given himself the title, Gary J from the UK. I don't know if that's right, but he said Gary J from the UK. That's good. What was bracket that? in a Ben Russell British accent, but I'm not sure. I reckon he went for a Geordie Shaw. Okay, I thought you were going Liverpool. Gary J from the UK. 
There was that character on yeah, right, Gary. character. Jody Shaw. Gary. Gary. I think it's from, is it Snatch? You're right there, Gary. You're right, mate. There's, a, there's that sort of um, sort of um, enforcer duo. And one of them, Gary, I think he, I can't remember, he gets like shot through his afro or something. Mm. And his partner's like, you're right there, Gary. You're right, mate. Anyway, Gary J from the UK. I thought you said Snatch and I had no idea what you are talking about. You are talking about Snatch. Snatch. I think you're actually thinking of Lockstock. Oh, right. I do get those two confused. Great. I loved them both. wonder if they hold up. Um, who know? Do you know? Have you seen him lately? I'm pretty sure it's Lockstock. Great. Well, this uh, this week, Gary has chosen a fact. Love that, Gaz. Hit us with the fact, Maddie. All right, Gary. Ga- Gaddy. Gaddy writes, I'm cheating a bit. There's two facts about sloths. <gasps> I love sloths. And I want to ask Jess if <laughs> either of them are fun. Bracket. Matt and Dave can answer if they want. But we all know Jess knows a fun fact from a dud fact. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. Yes. Just true. Bracket. Fact number one. Sloths are three times faster in water than on land. <clears throat> That's interesting. Wow. So they... That's what, three times is a lot faster. They're quite good swimmers. But then again, they are very slow, slow on, on land. land. So maybe they're just like... I mean, they're not Olympians. Right. Oh, but they're you... like... They're reasonable. They could probably outswim me. I was going to say, they're faster than me for sure. Is, that all, is it the same for old people? You know, you see old people at the pool Fuck, doing... great point. Doing yeah. aquasize or whatever it's called. And they're like moving they're su- move, with yeah. such agility. Yeah. All right, give me the second fact and I'll decide. Fact number two. Yeah, you can also Because that one's favorite. fairly fun. I'm, I'm, I'm but I reckon fun. I can be out funned. I had fun with it. <laughs> fact number two. Sloths can hold their breath for up to 40 minutes, 20 minutes longer than a dolphin. What? I think that might have elevated it for me. Yeah. They're, they can hold their breath longer than a dolphin. And yeah. dolphins live in water. Yeah. Did you know that? I Like what? exclusively. If you take them huh? out of water, they like die. No. Yeah, no shit. Can no we fact shit. check that? Can we fact check <laughs> that, please? I was watching some David At- Attenborough on Netflix yesterday. And like, I forget which one of his series, but it was the opening one. There was a lot of montages. And one of them was of this huge pot of dolphins. It oh. looked like there were 10 million of them. That's awesome. I could be exaggerating, but there were a lot. <laughs> and it was sick. I'm like, I didn't realize dolphins swam in like thousands. Or... Dolphins are awesome. When I was in New Zealand going along a boat on, uh, where was I? Franz Joseph. And uh, there was a pot of, there was a couple of dolphins like right next to the boat and right where I was standing. So everyone else was like, oh. Someone saw a dolphin. Where is it? And they're trying to look around. And I was like, it's right here. And I didn't have to move. And you weren't telling anyone. God, no. I think it's over the other side. It's like, this is my dolphin now. And I still have that dolphin. It's been very quiet lately. (laughs) Anyway. I got a dead dolphin (laughs) in my bath. Could have turned the tap on. Oh. I forgot. Oh, okay. Well, it's probably for the best. That's no life for a dolphin. How did I get it home? So many questions. Why is it, Gary, uh, I would say, and this is also because I like you as a person, those are fun facts. Yeah. Gary's just a fun guy. Can you imagine Gary telling us those facts? I'm having fun with Yeah, it. I'm having a good time. Thank you so much, Gary, you bloody legend. And if you want to get involved on the fact quote or question, go to do go on, no, what is it? Patreon.com slash do go on pod. And sign up on the Sydney Scheinberg level. You can also get bonus episodes, all sorts of things. What's the bonus episode level, Dave? It's DB Cooper and above? No. Yes. yes. Yep, that's right. The DB Cooper level or above. And we put out two every single month. And there's a whole bunch in the back catalogue that are still up there at the Mo. If you want to check them out. Get on it. 
Yes. And they're fun. We do at least one report every single month. And we've covered some cool topics. We really have. Well, our most recent ones are The Nanny and like it's in the TV show. Yes, Matt did yeah, a full I report. Yeah, I did a full that report the on the origins of The Nanny. That was fun. And Jess, what was your most recent one? That's it was question. about the Harry Houdini. Yeah, yeah. It was. the ape escape artist. Yeah. yeah, that was fun. That was fun. That was great fun. And we played a game of Would You Rather, where we laughed. I laughed so hard. Oh, I, thought I was going to spew. <laughs> one of our biggest laughing episodes in a while. I, oh, I love that feeling. Often, I reckon the bonus episodes we laugh bigger on there for some reason. Yeah, it we feels, just feel it's more comfortable. Sillier. We feel more at home. Maybe that's what it is. The other thing we like to do uh, at the end of our episodes is thank a few of our other patrons. And um, we do that with a little fun game that just comes up with. Oh, yeah. It but I don't know up. how I'm going to make the Unabomber a fun game. Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, you've got, you could. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Um, well, he loved wood. <laughs> yeah. What do they make their bombs of? <laughs> could maybe, maybe you could use Gary's um, fact, maybe a sloth or dolphin related. Name thing. or. Or like maybe their. Uh, who who they can hold their breath longer than? Yes, great. Let's do that. So who or can, what? Sloths can hold their breath longer than dolphins, but who <laughs> can from Little Rock, Arkansas? Oh, Ryan Badami. Who can Ryan. he hold his breath longer than? Ryan can actually hold his breath longer than another famous Ryan. Oh, Ryan Gosling. Oh, the no. goose, the goz. Yeah, no. yeah. The golden egg. Yeah, no, no shit, man, no shit. I'm just going to cycle back around just in case uh, and say Ryan Badami, Ryan Badami, Ryan... Badamai. Badamai. Uh, Ryan Badamai. Badamai. Bad Amy. Bad Amy. Bad Amy. Bad Amy. It's probably Bad Amy. Bad Amy. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan, and congrats on that breath-holding competition with yeah. Gosling, and I hope he was nice in person. I yeah. he would be. I bet he would be. He, he seems all right. Gentleman. He seems Based pretty dry. Episode, oh, yeah. I love a dry humour. That's why I can't hold his breath that long underwater. <laughs> <laughs> Too wet under there. Too wet. Can't well, on that. land, he can hold it forever. Yeah. Yeah, he's never breathed. Put him in water, he panics. He's yeah. never breathed. He's never breathed. Thank you so much, Ryan. Better me. And I'd also love to thank, from Rivervale in Western Australia... Sean Brown. Sean Brown. Sean Brown. I reckon I'm nailing that pronunciation. Dave. Just in case, Sian <laughs> Bruun. <laughs> Braun. Braun. Dave, who or what can Sean hold his breath longer than? I reckon Sean Brown can hold his breath longer than Lenny Kravitz. Whoa. Really? But shorter than Meryl Streep. Okay. Yes. If, you, yes. if I want to put it on the international scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah good call. It? It's a, it's a pretty small mm-hmm. zone because I know Meryl and Lenny, are, I think within 20 seconds of yeah, each yeah. other. Yeah, yeah. He's bang in the middle. Yeah. Wow. That's that's a middle I'd love to bang in. What? Appreciate that. And that, I, oh, I like oh it my when you God. confuse yourself. Oh, that's no good. Is that anything? I mean, I'd like to th- uh, just to quickly shout out to Sean Brown by saying, Gold Sean Brown. Sort of golden brown. Nearly yeah. works. Like the, I don't get it. There's that a song, song Golden Brown. I, I mean, I don't know if you could have got it, to be honest. Dave, that was one of the worst things you've ever said. I don't think it's that bad. Do you remember? There <laughs> I was stand a, by that. UK Gold had a, brown. a prime minister called Gordon Brown. That one is fine. <laughs> Gordon Brown. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> but, but Sean. That is good. Yours is really good. Mine's only quite good. Well, <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't know about that. I feel like I feel like mine's so good that it definitely wasn't me who would have noticed it. <laughs> That's how good it is. But 
Thank you. Thank you to Sean thank Brown. You to thank Sean you, Brown. Sean Brown. Can I thank some people as well? Yes, please. I would like to thank from the Isle of White. Oh, White. Yep. We've gone brown to white. Oh. <laughs> I'd like to thank Harry Green. Brown to white to green. Brown to white to green. And Harry, Matt, can hold his breath longer than seals. Yeah. yeah. The singer? Yeah. Seals. All of the seals. Both. You were saying the animal. Well, I was saying the animal, but that actually does also count seal because seals can hold their breath longer than seal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're right. all counted. They're so all counted and also counted. He goes to Sea World and he's like, I'll show you how it's done. Seal World? Seals. <laughs> There's a world of seals? Yeah, it's crazy. <gasps> I bet they don't treat them humanely. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> thank you very much to Harry from the Isle of Wight. And I'd also like to thank from Loveland. Oh, what? CO, Colorado? But yeah, but love. I'm getting better at states. Jess, love land. Jess, you know I love to love. I know you love And I love, love to love Loveland. Oh. Loveland. Loveland? Can it's... we go there on the tour? Yeah, Dave, are we? Any updates? Are we going to America yet? Oh, I've, emailed, I've emailed some more people. Their people have said they'll email my people. We've got a connection this time, but I still haven't had it back. But from Loveland. It's like bang. I'm looking. It's like nearly. It's bang in the middle of the country. Look at that. Loveland. 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 I would like to thank Thomas Coogan. Oh, Coogan. Oh. I like Coogan as a name. Yeah, it's great. It's north of Boulder, Colorado, which is north of Denver, Colorado. Oh. Right. Loveland. Well, when I think of love, I think of the sexy man himself, Barry White. Oh, who oh. love those snakes. Could hold his breath. Let's hear it for the snakes. <laughs> Anything for a lady. Um, who could hold his breath famously quite long? <coughs> yeah, because of his deep, deep voice and yep. beautiful, Huge beautiful lungs. lung capacity. Yeah, but uh, my darling, uh, Thomas Coogan is one of the only people can't get enough of Thomas Coogan, baby. One of the only people this side of uh of Denver, Colorado, who can hold his breath longer than the great Barry White. Wow, Thomas Coogan, let's see your pipes. Great pipes, great, great pipes. Thomas Coogan, when Dave organised this tour, where. I mean, we've promised so many places, but I'd love to drop by Loveland. I mean, is that so? That's somewhere near uh, Blucifer. Yeah, not that far from oh, Denver. We gotta, we gotta get to that airport. And while we're at that airport, <laughs> we gotta go for the couple of hour drive to Loveland. Yeah, we must. We simply must. Let me tell you how long it'll take. Thomas Loveland. Coogan, the Golden oh, Mile. Oh, I don't want to upset you. What? But there's also a Loveland in Ohio. Oh, Whoa! I think that. Sorry. Sorry, Cougs. Sorry, Cougs, but uh, we'll we'll never see you. Uh, There's a love land in Ohio. (laughs) Can you marry a town? (laughs) (laughs) Between Cincinnati and uh, Dayton. Love land. Oh, I forget how much good stuff is in Ohio. They got Dayton. They got Dayton there and Cincinnati. Sin City. Mm. If only they had Vermont, then we'd be happy. Oh, but it's so close. May as well be there. Let's (laughs) stretch that border. Okay. I would like to thank, finally, to bring us home to beautiful people. Okay. I love land and I love these people. From Concord, California, let me say Concord, to <laughs> Thomas Ambrose. Ooh, another, another Thomas. Tom. Do we do a bit of, do we communicate with Thomas Ambrose a bit? I feel like that name comes up a bit. Is anyone uh, else recognising that? Yeah, I'm recognising the name, Tom Ambrose. Appreciate Thomas your love, Ambrose. support, Thomas Ambrose from Concord, California. And Jess, 
Thomas Ambrose can, of course, famously hold his breath longer than Thomas Edison. Oh, wow. really? Really? Tom, but Tom action. Honestly, and nothing against Thomas Ambrose because he actually can hold it for quite a long time. But uh, Thomas Edison, not very long at all, like twenty seconds. Because he's dead. Or no, this is in his what? in his living. <laughs> This in He's dead. Oh, only the good die young. Sadly, all good things <laughs> well, must, must come to an end. <laughs> Thomas Ambrose. Thomas thank you so Ambrose. much for your support. And I would like to thank, if I may. Please. Matt, you were going to say something about Thomas Ambrose. Bring it home. Oh, no, I, yeah, I was just thinking because Ambrose is a kind of scoring golf that I don't think I've ever... Hey, there's an there's an way of scoring in golf called Ambrose. I've never so you can play Ambrose. I don't know if that's the one where it's like four ball, best ball, or the one where you... You know, you all hit, and then the best one, you all hit from that spot. I reckon oh, the best way for be us to figure this out is, is for Dave to thank the final oh, person. Oh, great. I love that about it. Okay, I'll bring us home. Okay. With a shout-out to a beautiful place, probably a beautiful person, San Diego, California. Oh, a whale's vagina. <laughs> I was hoping you'd take us there. That's, that's like hard to... not to. Yeah, so sorry, San Diego. That's funny every time, except it was in a gift form. <laughs> I once said it. I once said something like that on Primates when Ben Russell was on, and he goes, "What are we just quoting movies now?" <laughs> he can turn on you real fast, almost faster than me. Like, ben Russell shit. will turn. I can't Mate, remember if I edited out. that out for embarrassment or not, <laughs> because I don't edit that show normally. But I can't remember if I, that one was almost like, "Oh, Ben Russell is right." What are we doing here? But do go on a much friendlier Which place. Wonderful yeah. citizen of San Diego. I'd like to thank citizen number 1,960, <laughs> which oh. is pretty early for a city of that size. Yeah. Janet Olsen. Oh. Oh. <gasps> I've got one. Janet Olsen. Okay, Janet Olsen can hold her breath longer than. The Olsen twins combined oh. and. Whoa, that's four lungs. Their younger sister, Elizabeth. Whoa. Six lungs, assuming they'll have two lungs each. And the fictional character they played on Full House. Mary Beth or something like Michelle. that. Michelle. I think Michelle. it was Michelle, wasn't Mary it? Mary Michelle Beth? I don't know. Yeah, I think her middle name's Mary Beth. Michelle Mary Beth. Full House. So, so Janet, either... <laughs> is that their surname? Full House? Either they or have some... House. <laughs> or Full. Full. It's Full. Because it's Full oh, House. It's full House. We all live in the Full House. It's like yours would be Stuart House. Yeah. Oh. Everywhere you look. Everywhere you look. There's a house. This well, Janet, full of them. Janet Olsen can hold her breath... F- Three people combined, that's quite impressive. Yeah, it's And huge. one fictional person. Yeah. Wow, three and a half people combined. Yeah. Yeah, it's massive. That Big. is sick. Janet Olsen, well done. I love the name, Janet. I love the name, Olsen. You've nailed it there. Well done. Five points. Out of? Out of five. Wow. Was that Ambrose-style scoring? I think it is, yes. <laughs> I'm really happy with this uh, run of names yet again. Ryan Badami, Sean Brown, Harry Green. Thomas Coogan, Thomas Ambrose, and Janet Olsen. Oh. Holy moly. Dream team. That brought it home again. Yet the dirty again. half D, mm. as they'll forever be known. In our hearts. Yeah. <laughs> in Loveland. Yes. I mean, Let's just... all meet in Loveland, Ohio. <laughs> yeah. On the 69th day. I'm so of sorry. The 69th year of the 69th month. Oh. It's so sad for How do we Loveland, uh, Colorado, which nearly made it in and was just pipped at the post yeah. by possibly an inferior Loveland. We'll never know. Oh, well, let's visit both and then we'll rate it. Yeah. We'll decide who is the true Loveland. Oh, yeah. Well, this does bring us to the end of the episode for another week here at Do Go On. As always, we can tell you to go to dogoonpod.com to buy tickets to our shows, find our Patreon. 
a link to our merchandise that we spoke about at the start. You can buy those T-shirts that we will hand send to you. Listen to our spin-off podcast, Book Cheat, about reading classic books so you don't have to. And That's primates. right. This week's uh, episode of Book Cheat that just came out yesterday, if you just uh, are listening now, was all about the commonly requested English classic, Wuthering Heights. That would have come up a bit. I oh, yeah. That was one of the reasons I... One of the people requested, they were like, someone from Auckland in New Zealand said, can you do Wuthering Heights? Because I love the Kate Bush song. No <laughs> idea what she's talking about. So that, it's been right. fun. And that was with uh, Josh Earl from Don't You Know Who I Am and Kirsty Wiebeck. Very, very funny stuff. Amazing. Enjoyed combo. myself. Good, great combo. And Matt, most recent primates, who have you, you had on lately? Uh, last week we had the Joels from over at uh, Plumbing the Death Star and we talked about the classic film that is escaping me right now. Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back. Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back. <laughs> Fuck, fuck, fuck. Mother, mother, fuck. Mother, mother, fuck, fuck. D- does not hold up. <laughs> Loved it when it came out 18 years ago. And it was it was a harder watch this time around. <laughs> really? Cock knocker didn't get you? I, there were still some really funny moments. Will Ferrell, I don't remember being in it. It was so good. Oh, yeah. I, I was like, maybe I wasn't aware of him at the time. Maybe. Also but, Jason Biggs. Yeah, Jason Biggs. Is a good, yeah, I loved all those cameos. But um, maybe my stands have changed. Definitely society standards have changed, but um, and I'm I don't think I was a, much of a soy boy back then to be honest, but I'm soy up to the brim these days. Yeah, wow, you're overflowing with soy. It's yeah. disgusting. But it was it was a fun it was a fun episode. Actually, it's been having a great time with that show lately. It's just a fun time. People are worried about getting into it because they're like, I don't like monkeys. It doesn't matter. It's just a comedy show talking about stuff with funny people. Mm. Bloody grow up. Get over it. Read a book. Or don't. Or listen, don't. To listen to Dave's, Dave's podcast. podcast. Thank, you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. And uh, always get someone else to open that book first. Mm. Oh, that's terrifying now. I read a few books for this show. If not, it's Not it, anymore. If it's heavier than it should be, take it to an x-ray machine. Mm. If it's heavier than it should if be. If it's up. tangy and brown, you're inside of town. <laughs> but if it's clear and yellow. Then it's juice there, fella. Thank you. Um. Another Simpsons reference we didn't do was when the dolphins took over. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. But anyway, no time for that. <laughs> no time. No time, but I'll mention it anyway. <laughs> and our social medias are at DoGoOnPod. We've got a YouTube channel. There's a lot of stuff online uh, for you to follow us and see stuff oh, in between yeah. the episodes. If you want to have a bit of fun, go check out our YouTube episodes and look at the comments. People hate us on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially the more views, the more hate. Yeah. Somehow. The dream. Uh I mean, someone's got to bring you back down to earth, and thank God YouTube's there yeah. <laughs> to stop us from becoming really arrogant. <laughs> I do suck. Okay, thank All you. Right, thank you. Thanks for reminding me. Thank you so much. Uh, but yeah, for, is that that's it for another week? Yes, I believe so. We'll be back episode one ninety nine next week, and oh. then the big two hundredth from Brisbane the week after. What a time! Oh, I'm loving life. Well, until next week, I'll say thanks for listening and goodbye. Later. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.